All right, so we are live, and uh, the only real difference this time is yep. uh, the backdrop behind Eric is uh, a little more subtropical. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that sunshine, palm trees. How do I? Hey everybody, do I view. there we go. Sitting right on oh, the edge here. Is that a well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's little annuls <laughs> running around all over the place. Oh, sick. Don't don't fall in or drop your phone in. Well, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, that'd be awful. I'm usually sitting right where the gate comes look... up, but... Uh, you waiting for him? Yeah. <laughs> We have a love-hate relationship. This gator, I've, uh, you know, I've been, I'm, we've been coming here for me and Dory have been together for like twelve years, and this thing has grown up the whole time here. And I was like this small, you know, like a small, maybe like a foot. Mm -hmm. Now it's like maybe eight foot. And I can believe they still let it in the park, but everybody's pretty cool with it, which is which is pretty <laughs> cool. Yeah, as long as people aren't feeding it and it doesn't become a nuisance, then it should be able to coexist, right? Yeah. But every time I come here, it's like either it's hiding or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> God damn thing is, I, I find an Owen belly python. I can't find an alligator in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I struggled finding gators in Crazy. Florida, too. I saw a lot of them in Georgia. Really? Yeah, really? yeah, in in like the Savannah area, there was like a alligator lane or something, like a road that you're you can drive in circles, and there were just gators everywhere. Ah, it was pretty cool. That's cool. We went at night with the flashlights, cool. and all the eye shine was spooky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what uh? What part of Florida are you in? I'm in Jensen Beach, which is probably. <laughs> Um, maybe forty-five minutes south of West Palm. Okay, okay. So you're 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 in South Florida, right? Yeah. So we um, okay. I like going out there. That's a that's a good part of the part of the state. So we uh, we were on time, <laughs> and our special guest here um. They got a little too special. They're a yeah. little too entitled. <laughs> he's doing the he's doing the fashionably late, so you notice yeah. him, sort of thing. Thinks he's and, a big uh, And and you know, we just you make the presence known, sort of thing. So we're gonna welcome on for the first time uh, a special guest, <laughs> and uh, everybody, <laughs> welcome to Bigfoot. <laughs> Uh, bitch. I look who decided to show up. <laughs> I was here on oh, time wow. in the green room. He's just making me wait, you know. <laughs> I did make you wait for me. Yeah, that's how it happened. No, no, I was here on time. Well, I mean, you know, you guys have ultimate control on NPR. Every once in a while, it's the intern's turn to get a little bit of the control. Yeah, oh, and what's Clap my back. name? Say my name. <laughs> no cheating. I, I just call you thing one and thing two. I mean, oh, it's really uh, the best. I can't remember. We burned through interns so quickly. Eric, has, <laughs> Eric has a lot of high demands, and and we burned through them quickly. So I really just try not to get attached. Notice how it's my fault that we burned through. Of interns. course it is. I'm not blatant. No, of course it is. Yeah. I don't even yeah. call them interns. 
but they leave or quit or you know it's it's the best thing to do is to just paint this horrible scenario and be like and why is it like that eric and he's like <laughs> like yeah you know. i just showed up what are you like, talking about last time riley was late with eric's coffee i saw him smack him across the face right eric and eric's like, what are you talking about like yeah it's this thing. isn't black coffee. Oh. Pushes him there's, over, spills the entire thing. This, and he spikes it. Yeah, I mean, you know. I, I it was him, Bailey's. I saw him get violent at freaking, uh, you know, in Australia. Dude, Bad. every time I see something like that in a in a movie where somebody's a real asshole and, like, smashes something, I was like, man, I've always wanted to do that. But, like, not for real, though. Not like, for real. Because like, that that's so mean. I would, I'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Please don't cry. Weren't they, there like, weren't there like several like places where you could go like in a yes, room? Yes, that's what I was gonna say. The and, like with a baseball room. bat, they're like break yeah. break this television. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. You can just yeah. go and shatter everything. You like wear I, the PPE and yeah. You know, yeah. I watched it. I watched a little mini documentary that over in uh, I couldn't remember if it was Japan or China or something like that. But because people are so good at you know um, maintaining composure and, and class over there that they. They sometimes they have like crazy amounts of like crime and spousal abuse and stuff in some of these areas. And so what they do is they these people started making legal outlets for people to get their stress out and basically made these. It looks like shooting range sort of like channels, but it's for smashing porcelain and, and ceramic plates. And so there's just like debris everywhere. And these people get to smash porcelain of like they'll make more than just plates. They'll do like bowls or vases, big stuff. And you pay for like you know, a chunk of stuff to smash and you vent your frustrations. And then what they do is they recycle and get all that porcelain, throw it back in the kiln and make more out of it. So it's like, yeah, it's I, brilliant. I mean, Eric will tell you that I'm a pillar of calm. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, oh. oh, never yeah. flown off the handle or gotten rage filled, no. but it's so I'm the, I'm the, uh, I'm never. the anchor of the NPR crew. You know, I keep him grounded. I don't know. Oh, and I kind of right. see you as the guy who uh, <laughs> no. who gets drunk and gets the really regrettable, like somebody's business logo tattooed on their ass cheek one night. No, no, no. It would be my it would be my own business logo. Thank you. But um, it's on your butt. No, no, no. It's across my chest. Um, oh, okay. But it, <laughs> the giant rogue flag. It goes from like the here flag. to here, right? Yeah, oh. yeah. Eric's portrait's on my ass cheek. But he was you know, so that's... upset. <laughs> he was so upset when he had to put the dash rogue dash reptiles because somebody already had rogue reptiles on the bottom. Well, because another session. God damn. It. Well, because because they I, I contacted the person and I'm like, are you using the website? They're like, no. I'm like, all right. Well, how much to buy it from you? They're like, five hundred dollars. I'm like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's no. It's <laughs> yeah. a bearded dragon breeder, right? It's they. I think they 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 were a bearded dragon breeder, and then they posted some stuff. Then there's also a rogue reptiles in Africa that exports ball pythons. That wow. I've been getting like every once in a while, somebody's like, "Hey man, are you <laughs> gonna protect your brand?" You're right. You're right. It, you know what? They're totally gonna confuse me with the dude that exports ball pythons out of South Africa. You're right. I gotta yeah. sue this man. Like no. I, just make the dash part of it. Spell it out. Rogue D A S H reptiles. Whatever. The dash is rogue. Yeah, it is. It's just dumb. But whatever. The next, the next line of T-shirts you make should just have a dash right in the middle. Nothing else. Right here. Tiny, the, tiny letters. Like it put just the flag logo on the back. But yeah, yeah just poof. Just a yeah. dash. That'd yeah. be funny as shit. 
Eric, oh, that's man. the camera. Don't poke it. <laughs> no, I was just looking to see if I. This could is why we're not camera. a visual medium. This is like right here. It's technology. What? It's, uh, I don't. <laughs> the files are in the computer. Why can't I touch Owen? Yeah. <laughs> He's right here, but I can't pet him. Yeah, just, I want to yeah. feel the beard. Does it feel like squirrel? <gasps> it, it, oh my gosh! That thing, like, I have scratches on my arm because it's like it's little tiny squirrel claws just raked out bastard. So does the squirrel get to ride on Mort at all? The squirrel? No, the squirrel does not get to go around Mort because that is the forbidden squirrel zone. The basement <laughs> is where serpents live, and there's a lot of see a lot of snakes. That would very much like to kill and eat this rodent. <laughs> so, the, the are you going to? Are what? you going to train the squirrel to uh, no, tolerate not, no, leash handling my, or wearing no, top hats? Is, none of this is my problem. Like I don't. No, I'm not training a rat to do anything. The rat exists. If if, if it gets trained, it's because Melissa did it. I I do nothing. Is that Archie is, a is Archie a red squirrel? He looks like he's red. I don't know. He's a squirrel. <laughs> he's got nice ear tufts, right? He's a he's a Florida locality squirrel. Ooh. I mean, I don't know. Oh, what... Ooh, he's exotic. Uh, I you know, have right? Damn. No, yeah. is he pure? You want me to bring squirrel. him back to me? <laughs> <laughs> hey, What's Owen. The locality. We... I'll go catch another one. GPS coordinates, or I don't believe you. He had to be neutered. I'll get the I'll get the GPS coordinates of her house in Florida, and that's pretty much where he was. Oh, and I can get you a melanistic squirrel. They have them out here. I don't care. It's a morph. No, I don't want to. No, you could probably make a world's first. I don't care. See, we're just helping you. I'll call it the Phantom Soul Sucker. <laughs> it's the melt what the melt <laughs> oh goodness goodness oh, it's man. the nanny squirrel <laughs> we've gotten it. significantly off the yes, rails before the, the train even got is this, going is this what you people do in carpets on coffee i thought it was like snake <laughs> carpets design. on coffee carpets in coffee where coffee I, whatever Dude, can you imagine if carpets had caffeine how turtles cracked out they would be oh what's get that, it eric? eric get it and Stop now we it. go live oh, to God. our field eric, reporter yeah, now we go live to field. <laughs> eric, Burke. eric jump <laughs> on that turtle uh, i'm sitting here with the birds just there are birds you know, there. Hey, can you birds. ask them how they feel about, ibis, right? about the gators? Ask the about birds, the are they prepared for violent protests at the capitals? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> They're not insane. Thank you. Oh, God. man. Oh, how is the man. weather in Florida? He's here, outside. It's better than up here. Oh, what? it's cold? What's it up there? I don't What's know. 24. Okay. Just do... Yeah. I'm sorry. I was not prepared. <laughs> we know. <Fired>. Right now, <laughs> what else? Uh, 43 degrees. Uh, it's probably like 65 here right now. Last night it was down in the 40s. Um, so. You still win. Yeah. Cold for mm -hmm. Florida anyway. Yeah. It's warm where I'm at. I don't know about Sacramento, Riley, but it's going to be in the 70s today. Feels like spring. I uh, I've got a 
I've got a highest 68 it, listed it, it, for no, today. This is fine. They have a little bit of time, and then their state's on fire. Like, it doesn't yes. matter. Yeah. Like, no, it, or, it, it or, never or the ground now. is shaking apart. Like, it's yeah. like, yeah. oh, 60 degrees. Yeah, I'll wait. Like, I'm a little fine. scared. There's been a, a couple little earthquakes <laughs> the last couple of days. I just I hate when that starts ramping up. <laughs> yeah. See? Doesn't, yeah. yeah. Except you can have your 60 degrees. I don't have to worry about yeah, you, yeah, if you, you guys, guys see this earthquake. stack of cage topple on top of me, it, it's an earthquake. <laughs> so we, do we just continue the show? Like, if yeah. like, you know, oh, God. Lucas, show must go on. Lucas, comment, Cut his comments and like as the coffee cup like dips down below the camera and back up. Well, right. I can, I can yeah. get rid of his window yeah. bubble and we can just no, no, I want, it never no, I want to, Lucas, explain to us how you feel right now. Yeah. You see him climbing out of glass and wood. Yeah. Where's my blackhead? I feel like and... Owens Retic. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Lucas with the was... vengeance. I love it. That was, that was good. That was good. He's that was that was one of those I set it up and he spikes it over the net on my face. Like I got uh, up a few hours early. I knew I needed my brain to be awake for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas is like training in some sort of Rocky montage outside. <laughs> McIntyre, <laughs> running up a mountain. McIntyre, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> good, good. Oh, oh my gosh! So 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 how's the breeding yeah, season? What are we supposed, gents? Oh my God. Well, I'm, I'm actually looking at my, um, my striped, uh, possible super Carmel albino getting one last lockup in with that citrus tiger. Cause she's ovulating. So nice. the hell so, is that going to make a lot of cool. things? <laughs> Stop. Well, that one That's is nice. going to be citrus tigers, caramel, citrus tigers, albino, citrus tigers, caramel, albino, citrus tigers. So See the shitty thing is like it's gonna take you a while to figure out the caramel mm-hmm. albino citrus tigers mm-hmm. and the albino citrus tigers. You're gonna be like, yeah, well, this one looks weirder, so that must be the caramel. Right. Well, and so I'm actually really hoping that I get more normals and and hets than mm-hmm. visuals. Like I, I do want to see some visual albinos, but I, I kind of want to see at least you know like six or eight normal like hets in there because. Yeah. I also want to prove out if this guy's a, a super caramel or just a caramel albino. So whatever you want, right. you'll only get one of them in the clutch. It's like how Eric wanted red tigers out of that red tiger and <laughs> jag clutch. And it was like one tiger, everything else was a jaguar. It's like yeah. that is what yeah. you will get one. And then the rest will be like albino car Albino uh, carbon. Like, <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. I'll have no idea what any of them are for exactly. like a year. It'll be fun. Yeah. So. Yeah, but even with all that, I think the contrast, even Uh-oh. for the regular mm-hmm. albinos that are not striped, you're you're gonna it's gonna be amazing. So, yeah, we'll yeah, see. I'm excited to see that. I'd be totally sure. wrong. <laughs> We're also uh, not gonna cut away if a if an alligator comes up the riverbank and grabs Eric. Yeah, this, like <laughs> this bird's coming pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> If it might fly off with you. If, if the I, if, I mean, if the ibis attacks Eric, don't cut away either. I mean, like that'll be great too. So um, <laughs> this not this like this will just disappear. Yeah, not like this. Not like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my god, nice. this is too good. Take oh. care of the IJs. 
<laughs> we, we we didn't hear that last part, right? <laughs> I heard give Riley all the IJs. That's what I heard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's when we have to cut the feed and discuss what we heard and then come to a consensus of how long Eric's last will and testament that he gave us as he was being dragged away was. <laughs> Next week, we will be going over which snakes go where. Thank you, Yeah, everyone. thank you very much. So, also, I'm the closest, so... I oh, might shit. not listen. Owen's a charge. Yes. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. Well, we know which snakes he won't be taking. You're right. You're right. If you don't fight his me, two, I'll his, you have two, his two Bontang retics. Well, those yeah, are, those are mini retics, right? Yeah. For now. Toy retics. What do they call them? Toy retics. Yeah. <laughs> Like two or that, two. Or how two. many communities can we piss off this morning? Let's keep it going. Oh keep it going, Owen. <laughs> like Riley, one, say three, something so about far. vegans. <laughs> I hate vegans. There we go. Next. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> what else do we got? Beautiful. How's the uh, how's the creba? Gotta be another group. Okay, so I I paired. Uh, I came home. Uh, the male was active. He was pushing a little bit. Um, and just to be extra safe, I thought I'll put him in supervised with the female. She was out. She's actually been striking at my hand a lot. So I think she's hungry, like trying to really put food stores towards egg production. Do you feed so during I, uh, breeding, Riley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do um, smaller, uh, smaller prey items. And I kind of spread out the frequency because yeah, they can still digest at these temperatures as long as it's not a big meal. Mm -hmm. Um you know, being colubrids, they're just kind of built that way. But she she pretty much hides all the time unless mm -hmm. I'm moving my hands in front of the glass. And lately, the last two days, she's been striking out at the glass. So I'm thinking she's pretty hungry. Um, so I'm going to give her some food uh, either tomorrow or the next day. But I put the mail in again to see what they would do. And having seen the first stage of like no interest and then that one fine window of like very, very deliberate receptiveness, I knew what to look for and I put him in and it was back to like the initial stage of not really being interested, the female running away from him, the male, not even really like pursuing that deliberately. So I was like, okay, she's done cycling. Mm -hmm. If I'm getting them, I'm getting them. If not, then, the, not, the, yeah. you know, the opportunity, the window is passed, so to speak. So I think when I introduced him for 20 minutes the other day, that was probably the last I'm going to do it this season. And now it's just going to be a waiting game. Um, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to put a hot spot back on her and let her have some warmth and then just keep an eye on her and see what happens. So I'm pretty sure I'm getting them because for the last week or so, I've been checking on her every morning and taking her out and letting her run through my hands. And her body composition is entirely different than it was last year. Like mm -hmm. the way the muscles are showing, the way she's carrying her, her fat reserves and things lower um and then you know how like when you've got a snake that's ovulating you hold them out and they kind of sag and you can see that lower third like there's a bulge like kind of like yeah. the water balloons in there she's kind of got that going on at the end and then it's even most noticeable when i feed her back into the enclosure she's cruising through if you're looking right at the back of her tail all the scales are just distended and not touching and then just like all of a sudden then there's tail and it's just it's unusual for her because she's you know kind of small and slender so I'm fairly confident we're getting some sort of eggs, whether they're fertile or not, fertile remains or not, to be yeah. seen. Yeah. So cool. Sweet. That's cool. Yeah. 
And then pop wins are back on the list. I'm still not sure I'm getting any of the, the striped jungle stuff. However, last night I was checking on critters and this female I got from Travis, um, a year or so ago, she was out and that little dinky year and a half old male was like, I just see his head poking out from her <laughs> coils. She's like this big. And I just see this little head like beep. And then his like body draped over and then like tail disappeared somewhere in there. I'm like, Hey, if you get it done, man, good on you. But I'm not expecting it. It's a miracle. He that. hasn't just been run over and crushed by her. It's like she's moving around the cage. Yeah. Like, that, oh that is, that's a fair concern. I mean, he's tiny. And during the day he sleeps under the paper in the far corner away from them. <laughs> I'm like, dude, what are you trying doing? to get himself killed. Like, Jesus. I know. I, wow. I, I half expected one or both of the females to think I was introducing food into the enclosure the first few times. So I like made sure they were awake, pointed them elsewhere and fed him in the back and then watched because I was worried they would be like, Ooh, what's that? Whop, and just Man, grab it. Yeah. And I'd be like, Down him. <laughs> and he'd just be dead in an dead. instant. He'd be dead by a strike. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Which is why I kept a, a brother of his. Just you ant- you, you anticipated his murder? <laughs> I, I just don't. You never know. I always think about this when it comes to holdbacks, right? You know, oh we always talk God. about you keep something, right? You keep a, a pair, right? Well, what happens if something happens to that pair and you've sold everything else? Nobody wants to give it back. Then you're screwed. Yeah, so what do you? Screwed. What's the the obvious answer yeah. to me was keep two pairs. An obvious answer, and that's bad. That it's it's one of those Run things where room. I can see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can, I can see the upside, but then I also see the downside. It's like the that yeah. makes sense to me, and I should really evaluate why that makes sense to me because it shouldn't. <laughs> but yeah. So, but then there's the 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 benefit of that strategy is if all goes well, and he doesn't get crushed, and he does breed and all this stuff, I can sell that other male later. Yeah. Yeah. But I did uh, I did get a an update from uh, a woman locally who bought like the last female from that clutch and uh she had good like broken up striping but um she sent me a photo of it recently and the thing is just smoking hot like the blackest blacks the yellowest yellows and i'm like shit i should have kept that yeah. <laughs> yeah that's why eric doesn't sell his snakes he, yeah you know, yeah Burke the clutch yeah, yeah just burke exactly. the whole thing. yeah I never thought uh, in a million Tom, years I would become a, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> my name. You should know it was uh, only a matter of time <laughs> hanging around me. Yeah. yeah. Burke it. Yeah. Burke it. Yeah. You know. Burke it real good. Almost as good as wheelering, but that's yeah. different. Okay. I was thinking about wheelering this morning. I was thinking about if we needed to talk about that because like. No. Because <laughs> it's just a great, it's, I don't know. I was thinking no, about how not, we no. use nouns and make verbs out of them. And then I was like, like, we make pronouns verbs, like wheeler yeah. becomes wheelering. And I don't know why I was thinking about that. But anyway, happy accident. We're talking you, about it as well. Were, were you under the influence of something? I mean, no. Because I might. No. No, I just woke up. I just woke up. I would not have done such things. Yeah, okay. No, I was I was, I was. was actually researching some colubrids and writing a paper. So, no, I was not. Nice. That comes later. Got it. So. Yep. Yeah. yeah, which I found out some cool stuff, by the way. Um, well, we'll talk about it in those episodes. Yeah, we're gonna anyway, to. yeah. I am. I'm actually. So we'll we'll segue into this because then this applies to a lot of different things. But um, 
my mad hogs I'm hoping are breeding. They're getting a nice cooling this season. Nice. Um, but now I'm going to be changing the way I work with them to be a little more safe. Yeah, Riley, did you find anything on blonde? Or because I know you sent me speckled and giant. Anything on blonde? Nothing specifically as far as their venomous goes. Um, it's, I don't know. There's there's a couple trains of thought in my head as far as that. You know, some people think like the bigger animals that have more crushing power or or better at getting their prey might not need a, a potent venom as, a, lean, as far as a Duvernoy's gland. So like yeah, maybe I'd the little guys are more, are more potent than the other two. But then there's the other train of thought that's like bigger means bigger glands, more delivery. I don't know. So I, I think it's going to vary, but I would probably lean that they would follow the speckleds as opposed to the giants, just because you could be safer yeah. that way. So, yeah. um, yeah, it was just interesting. Cause I've had this, this, uh, it's like right up here, bookmark mm -hmm. on my computer for the last couple of years. And I've read 90% of it like a couple of times. And then at the very bottom, I forgot there's a section talking about Leo heterodon gay, which is the speckleds and how they, they tested and, and did some experiments. And it's, it's a rear fang Duvernoy's gland that has the potency to put down a mouse in 20 minutes. And I'm just like, wow, mm, that seems significant. So I wonder how much I, you would need to drop like an, an Eric. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. A little, oh, bit, a little bit. A little bit more. Yeah. Three um, bites. Yeah. Does that uh, does that make you guys uh, rethink your whole? I, I remember going to Owen. He's just sort of taking them out. Like, you know, like, oh, check this out. We're, we're yes, just sort of looking does. at it like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Can I hold it? Yeah. Yeah. Hold it, you know. Uh, yeah. No, it, it, you 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 can boop it and put a hand I mean, on it. I mean, Lucas has video footage of me showing him them like handling them multiple like all, yeah. like for the interview thing. So yeah, it mm -hmm. definitely will because now they're falling under the same rules that the false water cobra are going to fall under. <laughs> it's like, nope, nope. So, I'm not chancing it. So do you guys see yourself segueing into, you know, well. I don't know about you, Riley, but Owen, oh, you're in PA, no. which is the wild, wild west. So no. you can have whatever you want. No. You see yourself segueing into no. <laughs> just straight up no. no. Like, no, dude, I was cleaning carpets today and I got no, I, I was cleaning bay, I was cleaning carpets today and I got nicked by something. I don't know what it was, but I'm like bleeding. I'm like, oh, when that happened, I can't be trusted around full venomous. Like, I'd be like, weird and then dead like no it would no <laughs> i'd be one of those assholes that like gets bit by like their fang in like the poop that like still had a little bit of venom on it and knocks me sideways no 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 yeah. no but what's the difference mm -hmm. like what's the difference right now you have venomous snake right mm. right yeah i mean but... what's the difference Fuck you, that's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, damn you and your yeah. valid points. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. My brain's like, how do I stop him? I don't know what to do. But it I, I would I don't know. like I envy you guys being able to have the opportunity. Like, I don't want the opportunity, dude. Like shit. Luke Lucas and I can go get a fishing license and just have a couple native crotalists, and like that's right. perfectly legal. But you know, do grass they have is always to be albino. Is that a no? Thing? No, no, uh, you can uh, uh, technically anything that occurs within the state um, within. Yeah, within the state of California, which there's a lot more ambiguity for those southern species because there's some like range extensions and overlap. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so no, that you don't have to have albinos, but for things like uh Western Diamondbacks, which they still consider legal, I think you do have to have those as albinos. Got and it. then you okay. can't you can't own the uh the red diamonds, the rubers, because they're protected. Right, right. right. But but right. like we can't we couldn't there aren't permits for us to do um exotic stuff. Like I think there's only a couple exemptions for people there and uh within the state and there's usually like educational or scientific purposes behind it that are state funded right because the they state bigger, is really strict they make bigger it. coffee pots you know that right like i don't know why you had such a tiny little wee coffee pot. <laughs> i'm a little <laughs> guy it's proportional i was watching that and it was i thought he was chugging that whole thing <laughs> for a second i was like riley's Damn. talking he just starts chugging the black coffee like yeah Dude. <laughs> it's like, well this is all black coffee and this was full of black coffee so so with with venomous, it seems as of late that there's a push for people to like get the idiots in check, right? I don't know. It mm-hmm. seems like mm-hmm. it's a loaded gun. It, you know, it, it's not when you're gonna get bit or if you're gonna get bit, it's when. And when you open yourself up for, I mean, handling the venomous and keeping the venomous in the right way, you're opening yourself up to possible bites and possible danger, even if you're doing everything correct. Right. When you're showing off and being a douche canoe about it, you're mm-hmm. opening yourself up to stuff to to accidents tenfold, right. and it, it, it's not just you. Yeah. If you get bit by a gaboon viper, then for all you know, your township's going to be like, "Hey, no venomous," and then your state's going to be like, "Well, no venomous," and then mm-hmm. now you're affecting other people so who might have been doing it correctly. So that's to, that's exactly how I think about it as well, and that's what I was kind of saying during the holiday show. And Scott Iper was kind of like, yeah, but have you ever actually kept venomous? Like you try hooking a, a King Cobra, like that's probably even harder. You know, of course like, it is. Of course it is. So it's a King I, Cobra. What do you think about sure. his point of view from, from that, I, I think that episode that, where he kind of was like, no, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think Scott has a shit ton more experience handling venomous than I will ever have. Right. So, and I, and I understand his point of view from it. And I also know that he has, a fantastic setup of cages, locking systems and all that shit like that to do everything safe and proper. Mm-hmm. And he still has had incidents, you know? Well, right. I think, I think probably maybe I'm wrong, Lucas, but I think you're probably getting at the fact of, you know, the knuckleheads mm-hmm. that are on YouTube yeah. handling it. Like it's oh, right. the arm, you know, yeah. as opposed to, hooking something out like i would Absolutely. imagine that there's species where you do have to tail and yes. you have to and the dick heads that on. don't even know the snake's name like tyler yeah. nolan he doesn't know anything about yeah, yeah. you know it's an interesting term i've heard used to describe him as a, a google keeper and i was a like google keeper and i was like oh that's interesting because because I've I too have seen his his lack of understanding of natural history of alligators and turtles and how you shouldn't keep alligators and turtles enclosures together because alligators will eat said turtles. But that, they, that's they, too even complex. If even if they can't eat the turtle, you still want to try tooth marks all over the turtle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you know, but, you know that's way like, too advanced. Apparently, it's not good for the turtle. The alligator's well, having a great time, but the turtle is the one that's not really enjoying the experience. Yeah. <laughs> I think right now what we're seeing is because everything is is so public be- and on social media and everything everywhere now that yeah. it's finally catching up, and we're also being very aware of how legislation is changing much more so than we were aware of it 10, 20 years ago. 
because everything is so public and people in Florida can see everything or people overseas can see stuff here. And, and so the ripple effects yeah. extend further uh, and happen much quicker these days because of social media and the fact that the world is so globalized. It's all globalization, accelerating these processes over time. And um, I actually have my degree in this. Um, first time College I've used it since Riley. I graduated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is what we're seeing is an accelerated effect of globalization. And so the, the negative and the positive happen in, in much more amplified um, right. uh, instances, basically. Like the, the good is profoundly promoted and the negative is profoundly promoted. Mm-hmm. And then the results are very extreme. Yeah. Um, right. And it's just, it's because people don't want to, it's just easier to do the, the broad sweeping legislation ban or whatever, instead mm-hmm. of having a whole committee put together of experts, which <clears throat> takes time to put together and fun to then do educational insight and digging around to figure out what's best for the state or the county or whatever. And so now that everybody can see the negative, I think what we're starting to see are the people with the, the, the positive and safe approach getting so much they're, they're having to jump through so many hoops and hurdles just to keep up their venomous keeping or their safe ways right. or their businesses that involve these animals that it's mm-hmm. it's now become a threat to their livelihood or their lifestyle and mm-hmm. that it's basically bad apples ruin it for everybody and so now they're speaking out about it and one person in particular cody bartolini mm-hmm. is using his platform with the reptile preservation institute to show proper husbandry and keeping of these venomous snakes. And he, he's, he's not a fan of being on video, but he does it very well. And his team and him, they show proper hooking techniques, proper enclosure, how to shift animals without ever touching them. And he talks through it all. And it's just, I think we should be promoting those people more than the the free handlers and the people getting all the the entertainment shock value the unfortunate side is there are people in this population who watch that that know it's bad and know it's not good examples but they still find it entertaining so that's why they watch it and so like that chunk of people you're not gonna you don't need to convince them that it's wrong they already know but they're still watching it right and right it's kind of hard that's like that middle ground where it's like well what do you do about that so it's always going to be around Right. right. And that's the point I was trying to make when I was talking about this on, on that holiday show is that I think a big problem is that we those people are literally rewarded mm-hmm. for the riskier and more dangerous they get yes. in the way that YouTube is monetized. And that's what pulls in these casual viewers, a lot of which probably don't have you know, a herpetology, her, you know, herpeticulture background, they probably mm-hmm. are just like, Ooh, is this guy going to get bit by big snake? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Go and dead. Also, you know? even, if they do, even if they do get bit, yeah. some of them, uh, you know, vlog or um, do the entire step-by-step process of like their finger dissolving. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. So like with Eric, by with Eric's vlog. question of like, <laughs> would you dip into venomous? So the venomous that I have, apparently the, my biggest threat is that I will have swelling and pain. Yeah. Right. That's it. 
That's it. Unless you're allergic. As that's always. it. Unless I'm allergic. Yeah. So that's well, it. Well, and, and now, so that it, that level of reaction was supposed to potentially be an allergic thing. They, okay. Could, that could fine. have been the extreme results of an allergy. That's fine. That's fine. Mm -hmm. That's the yeah. highest level. I don't yeah. have to worry about the bone in my finger <laughs> coming out and falling off. It's like, no. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because I missed a fang. Like, no. no, 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 no. That's it. Yeah. So. It must be super yeah. frustrating for people like Cody and Scott and, you know, Phil and these guys that do it the right way where, yeah. you know, they have to sit back and watch these knuckleheads be the forefront of their sector of the hobby. And, you know, even like to a point where they could take it away and, yeah. you know, you're at the mercy and it's sort of what Lucas is saying. It's like, they're rewarded for nonsense. We're, you know, right. when we were down here, I'm sitting watching TV with my in-laws and they're watching, I don't even know, some stupid show where groups of people go into the Everglades to try to find Burmese pythons and they get I, money I for them or whatever. Yeah. Like, hunting no. the pythons. Whatever. It, something like that. And I'm watching this and I'm just like, this show is so fucking ridiculous. It's, yeah. it's insane, you know? And I'm watching my in-laws reaction to it because they're watching it from the aspect of not knowing how a Burmese python, you know, acts or reacts or like how you should pick it up or handle it or whatever. And you're sitting there and it's like, this is just utter fucking nonsense. And, you know, it's on TV. So now mm -hmm. it's like the normal person that watches that, you know, their perception of these things is, and I'm not saying that they're, you know, I know that they're wild pythons and, you know, they're going to be, you know, aggressive, but any person that has a python knows that how the, these idiots are handling these things are just like they're just they're, they're making the python react that way you can just see it yeah. you know they're like oh, yeah. oh you know and it's it's just like striking at them and shit just put the goddamn thing in the bag and call it a day man but that doesn't make good tv right. you know it's just like, like everything i sensationalize it right that's how i handle yeah. all my snakes i grab them and then whip them around and wave my arms about like an idiot <laughs> and then you act surprised <laughs> when they want to bite you okay. yeah <laughs> and that's why sometimes as much as i love Steve Irwin, I, I think about like the whole idea of like is what he you know, where's that balance of like yeah, he got a message of conservative you know, conservation out there, but at what cost? You know what I mean? So now it's like yeah. it's like, okay, well, you know, in order for people to watch this, I have to do this crazy shit where they're not gonna watch it. And I think like I'm watching David Agro. And I'm like, well, he's not doing anything like that. I, I enjoy that more than I enjoy the sensationalism bullshit. Um, but, yeah. you know, I don't know. That's just me. But I think the average public wants to see, you know, that. And then it makes you think about, like, if our sharks perceived this way. Or, you know what I mean? You start 100%. To think about species that 100%. You yeah, you know, it's like, oh, we have a whole week dedicated to, you know, how this person shark got murder. attacked by yeah. a shark. Yeah. You know, and right. it's just like, oh my God. Uh, Great whites jumping go 10 crazy. feet out of the air with the seal in their mouth. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Pretty yeah. sweet, but I know what you're saying. I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's easy so, to take a, an image or a video clip and right. put whatever spin you want on it. That's, when people yeah. are only seeing it through a box, they can't argue what it what well, that's the, heck the other is thing happening. is that, sh uh, that one of those shows was on, like I was watching something and then I went and did stuff and I came back and my TV was still going. And that swamp people catching snakes crap was on. And they're talking about the Burmese pythons invading the Florida Everglades. And I'm like, that is a diamond python, sir. Like, that is like, <laughs> that is B roll footage of a diamond. Like, you don't even know what the <laughs> fuck you're doing. Like, yeah, and it was, 
You're so yeah. right, Owen. I've seen that on Animal Planet so many times, right? And I, it just, it, you know, they'll be talking about some species, and they put a picture of another species. Up, yeah, you know, they're talking yeah. about. I would think like, that that would be the thing they get right on the you, channel called Animal Planet. Animal Planet. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, you're <laughs> like, not only are the <laughs> you have one job. <laughs> you have one. You have job. one fucking job and and this thing is like and they're talking about this thing it's like not only is it dangerous burmese pythons but alligators and native venomous snakes i'm like you mean the shit that's supposed to be there like uh, <laughs> it's been there for millions of years you're right okay yeah go on <laughs> like it yeah people are people yeah. are ridiculous man it's the outrage culture it's it's the the sensationalism it's the oh, shock it's value a, it plays off of its it, they play off of each other. It's a it's, feedback loop, right? Disgusting. We're like, sensationalize, sensationalize, offended, offended. How could you? And it just goes round and round and round until everybody's as pissed off as they can possibly. We got be. to a point where Animal Planet was like, watch this man get eaten by an anaconda. And that was a thing. <laughs> and people yeah. tuned in for that. Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny is Paul Rosalie, who did that, he was so pissed off at the way they spun that. Oh, and they narrated it and, and they I feel made bad it. for the guy, but you yeah. should have known that was going to happen. He, uh, he regrets doing that for yeah. sure. Good. I think Joe Phelan had him on a, on a, yeah. on his podcast yeah. a couple of years ago, and it was a it was a great interview. Paul well, Rosalie is an so inspiration. But they, so here's the thing is like, so when Eric and I were doing the cage of death, which is more like the tube of boredom, um, you <laughs> they're like, they're like for an extra $20. So I, we apologize sorry, to everybody uh, at the Australian uh, Reptile Park. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, tube of boredom. Well, it's like, listen, you have a nesting mother over there. Why are you lowering me in this guy's cage? Put me over there. Like, I want to go over there. Like, show me what goes on in that cage. But it's, um, they're like, confident they are about that tube. I know, right? But it's like, so, like, for tube of boredom until somebody cuts the cable and you lost Or it's a tube of boredom until somebody poops in the tube. I mean, yeah, but that, but so. It's like they were they were they were offering us photo packages and they're like, oh, for like a certain amount, we'll use the really good cameras. We'll have this thing you guys can like look all scared and upset that you're being lowered into the crack cage. I'm like, I you you told me it's 100 percent safe, right? Oh, it is. I'm like, then why would I look scared? Like at all. <laughs> also, your yeah. your crocs are very well fed and they don't seem like they even want to be here. Like it's all right, lower me. But it was just something else where it's like people will do that they'll look shock awe scared screaming and you know just as a play off of the fact that it is a potentially dangerous animal mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's the reason you're watching an animal show when the croc shows up it's dramatic yeah. music yeah. like it's we'll probably never have a, a society where yeah. that isn't a thing but yeah. i think i think you know one of the the future goals I hope we'll con- we'll continue to see is the prevalence and and mainstream growth of reptiles in the average household these days. I think we're seeing that a lot because of COVID. I see it directly uh, on you know yeah. during my my nine to five. I see how much growth the hobby is experiencing right now, and um, you know hopefully that means over time there will be less of a stigma or a fear or a taboo across the board in a greater way especially with the younger generation yeah. getting into it it's so kind of like less of the persecution over time mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of like you fight bad information to better information right 
you know so Mm -hmm. you know how how do you how do you you know get people to tune in to you got to you know we have to figure out a way to sort of get that message out there without sensationalizing you know but Um, you hear it all the time like when they talk about venomous keeping and whatnot but i think um bill wolf he did uh i don't know if he has it on youtube i know they were talking about doing a series on youtube for it but like Mm -hmm. you know um I have no intention of keeping venomous. Not one venomous, you know. But I found his presentation of um, uh, he was working with the Cobras, and he was uh, what are they uh, rank calls or something like that? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Probably not. Um, but anyway, uh, he did he did a short little clip on it, and uh, you know, I was I was I was tuned in, but you know, it wasn't none of the whoo, 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 that kind of shit. Um, but I don't know. Hopefully, it's not like uh, ripping it above his head, like you know. This well, is you know, what Carly said here. Yeah. Smoking a cigar. Yeah. Carly yeah. said, "I oh helicopter all my bull snakes." What was it? What was the? Um, <laughs> it was. Oh uh, God, I don't remember. But it was like the only way to calm the cobra is we smoke, and then we blow smoke into the cage, and this this settles the animal, and we just, <sighs> and then we just keep blowing smoke in there. It's and not a beehive. I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, no, any snakes can be like, shit, everything's on fire. Like, it, it's, not a it's like a comet. It's just gonna be like, I need to get the hell out of here. Like, yeah, no, dude. So I, I don't understand that. I don't carbon monoxide that. poisoning. Exactly. Yeah. You know, what we do is we, we, we take out all the oxygen until the snake goes to sleep and then <laughs> yeah. we can easily handle it and hope it comes back. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like with fruit flies. Oh, you put them in the fridge for a few seconds, a minute or two. So you, you try to kill them is what you're telling me. And yeah. then they're calmer for you. Yeah. yeah they don't move yeah. when they're dead. I mean, well, yeah. well, basically what we decided is to kind of get, um, better, I guess to drum up more publicity for, um, NPR is uh, we're going to introduce one venomous snake into Eric's room that he records in every episode and see how <laughs> far we can get into the season before something. I have to it. find it. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, like an Easter egg hunt. hunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, light, the, lights, the lights turn off nice. and then the door opens, door closes, lights turn back on. You don't know what's been added. And, and then, and then we'll be sitting here and all of a sudden in yeah. In the background behind Eric, oh, a king cobra starts lit like periscoping up behind him and growling at him. Yeah, yeah that, that'll 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 drum up some more publicity. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll hit up uh, some video editors and they can make it all crazy. Is the gator coming out? Is it is it coming there. for you? <laughs> or a croc gator? Oh, I didn't see it. Oh, there are no crocs, dude. Yeah, I think so. Not where you're at. <sighs> I I know I said croc. You know. The cool thing is, is like right where I'm at, they found an actual American crocodile. Um, oh, nice! And uh, I went down to the uh, to the marshes, um, or not marshes, the mangroves, to see. Uh, I don't know, see if maybe you could find one or whatever. But um, it was cool. Like I, I like doing those kind of videos because I think that um, you know one thing that I always am trying to look for is like inspiration for naturalistic setups and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, everybody's always focused on taking pictures of the animal and all, but they don't take pictures of the environment or, you know, stuff like that. So, right. I don't you're, know. You're doing that in Australia. It was like you were like time for uh, some sort of um, habitat porn and you were just taking pictures of whatever was around. <laughs> around. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you never know. Maybe one day if I need that for an article or a magazine or a book or a website or whatever, then I got my own pictures of uh, – 
Okay. Yeah, you know, that's pretty awesome. awesome. We, we already said Eric's going to write the book of all like the stuff we did and was all the scientific and the other stuff. And then I'm going to write a pop up version of the same book of <laughs> Owen and his friends exploring <laughs> Australia. So. It's like the oh, beauty man. version of. Uh, yeah, pull the tab and Eric will, <laughs> Eric will find the carpet. <laughs> The OP falls out of the tree right into well-placed hands. Yep. How did this happen? Yeah. You yeah. should make it into a choose-your-own-adventure book. It's like, mm. if Owen oh, touches the snake tail, go to page 64. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. End of story. Owen dead. Owen dead. Yeah. <laughs> Don't touch it. And they all lived happily ever after. Except should Owen touch it or wait for Rob and tell, to tell him it's okay. Yeah. Wait for Rob, page two. Wait for Rob, page two. <laughs> Rob says no. <laughs> so circling circling back to seasonal stuff, Eric, have you started introducing your, your diamonds or, or, or cooling no. your, your diamonds and stuff? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's yeah, in Florida. Part... How is he introducing them? <laughs> Shush um, you. Um... <laughs> I think uh, so. I tried to read them last year. I got locks and everything like that. Um, I think that the female that uh, I have on breeding loan just wasn't she wasn't acclimated to my spot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's looking pretty good. Um, I'm I'm probably most excited about producing them more than anything. Almost to the point where it's like I don't know if I'm going to breed a whole lot this year. You know, I I the more I don't know, man. I have this thing in my head where I keep going back and forth where. Like, it seems like I'm trending more towards keeping side of it and, and mm-hmm. observing behaviors and stuff than wanting to, like, read, uh, you know, I don't know, 25 clutches of, of whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I don't know. You go, I mean, breeding is still behavior, and it's, it's nice to, uh, uh, to sort of this piece off the list, if you will. But um, I don't know. I just I find I'm it's it's kind of like you guys Lucas you'll understand this for sure it's like when you like learn learning guitar here I go Owen with my guitar analogy right <laughs> you spend all this time trying to learn lead and then you just right? want to hit the changes but you forget <laughs> about rhythm uh oh ninety percent of the time right you know and you uh, broke up there on that sentence oh shit. <laughs> figures owen must have pushed a button god yeah if i had the ability to push buttons and upset your like guitar ranting i i'd have shown my hand by now so what i was saying saying is is that like when you're practicing and learning to play guitar or any instrument but i'm gonna go with guitar you're you spend most of the time learning how to play lead right right when you're actually playing in a band and you're playing in real life right you're playing rhythm most yes, of the time absolutely so like you don't you never focus on playing yeah. rhythm you focus on this lead part of it which is like this mm-hmm. month so it's like similar yeah. to like people and breeding like it seems like you focus all your energy and observations and time and all that what are you laughing i'm at? laughing at <laughs> owen laughing i don't know well, why it's, he's laughing oh, because it's like that <laughs> That's that's Eric's analogy is hitting all the chords and getting everything right. And I'm just the guy who took the guitar and smashes it into the amp and somehow it's music. So but like yeah. I mean, like, you know, like with with breeding or keeping snakes, right? Think about it. Like as right. a breeder, you're really just concentrated on getting to the breeding season, right? Mm-hmm. You're yeah, either yeah. food cycling to the breeding season or you're you know you're raising you, up animals for the breeding season or correct you know mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. you're not enjoying the trip 
to the breeding season, you're mm-hmm. just sort of like, you know, always focus on that. Mm-hmm. And I, I would like to focus more on that other side of it, the behaviors and like, you know, because like take me for example, this is always a hot topic with carpet pythons. Um, you know, I think sometimes with carpets in particular, it's hard to really understand what they really want or need because they're so resilient, you know? So mm-hmm. they'll, even if you, even if you screw it up, don't give them humidity, you know, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, they don't need humidity. Well, is that, is that true? Or yeah, is right. it just that they're so resilient that they can sort of just bypass your error? And, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, I think it. about, um, Chris Salemi talk about this all the time, right? Especially where I'm at, no one's at up in the Northeast. It gets cold during the winter. And, you know, humidity is that low. Um, and it's dry air that we're forcing in, that dry heat that forces it. Well, I don't know, but I would imagine that their mucous membranes get dry out. And I would imagine that this is why we see, you know, respiratory infections and such during that time. You're stressing them out because it's breeding, you know, which is stress. Um, and, you know, that humidity would help keep those, you know, their, their, uh, their, their airways and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. you know, just moist or whatever, which I think, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I just the thought that I had, like, so when it talk about humidity, I don't know. I just think that that's something that's something that's overlooked. And I'm not saying they spray yeah. your cages down and all this stuff, but like, you know, those are the kind of things that fascinate me is like, what do they really need that? You know, I don't know. Right. What do you guys think? And part, part of the a complicating factor with any of those types of questions with snakes and most reptiles is that, yeah. that it's very difficult for us to, uh, they don't, they're not good at signaling to us in our mammal yeah. terms. Um, right. how they're doing, what they're, uh, experiencing, right? Like we, we can't easily identify when something is all what, you know, whether they appreciate it or not. Right. Because right. they just, they don't emote the same way. They don't have mm-hmm. facial expressions. They don't vocalize. Right. So, right. um, at least the way that I try to combat that is the concept, just offer it and the snake will either use it or it won't. And, right. and that should tell you what you need to know. You know, at least, at least it has the option. I, it's a really interesting, I sent the paper to our chat. I, I just read a, a really interesting paper um, by Burghart, who basically kind of in a way uh, rebuked the idea of enrichment and said, really, we should be calling it controlled deprivation. Um, just kind of the, the theory there being, enrichment kind of implies that we're doing more (laughs) or like we're going above and beyond somehow when really you're never going to get close to a natural setting. It's really more just controlling the deprivation to be more ideal. Right. Right. Um, And, and that's something I've been thinking about a lot. It's an interesting concept. Uh, There was a, I, I, I don't have the, I don't know who wrote the paper, but Chris sent me the paper and it was basically, and, it was about vipers, um, but they were saying about how snakes' um, activity is um, is is highly motivated by humidity, hmm. um, more so than temperature. Which to me, I I don't know, you know, I found that uh, interesting, you know. Um, but you know, I, I don't know, I don't know. It's just something that I. 
and I found it interesting that when we talked to Lori and she did offer bread lie, bread Lee, sorry, um, uh, humid hides, they took right. advantage of it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, and then you start to think about, you know, you know, you think about where they're from and how dry it is and how, um, but th- they're just sitting in these tree hollows and stuff, which I'm sure, you know, as you know, Owen, from being there, you know, it's, it's, you go into these little micro habitats and, and they're, you know, that's how they're getting the humidity, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. And being from somewhere so hot and dry might be the reason that they do seek out little pockets of humidity, humidity, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, so it's funny that you bring this up because my boss talks about this a lot to me and to customers that come in because we get a lot of people that buy bearded dragons or, like little sulcatas or things that tend to be like arid, hot, dry in like the public's mind. And as far as how we care for them in the shop, we actually like make sure they get a lot of humidity and sprayed and misted and soaked down regularly to keep sure they're hydrating because these animals won't drink from water dishes oftentimes. And we find that people have the biggest problem when they take these desert animals and give them like no moisture. And, and my boss will, he will swear up and down and I see it all the time that he's like, almost all reptiles need humidity in a decent fashion more than we suspect. Because even in like the desert, they seek these underground pockets where there's more insulation and moisture and groundwater retained in there or under roots of trees or bushes that are in the middle of nowhere that have sequestered just littlest amount of moisture and they're in there. So, you know, hot and or warm and humid, warm and wet, warm and humid, good, cold and wet, bad. But, you know, all these little things like and you just be surprised at how much moisture these these animals really do get like Euromastics. We think, okay, they need it. Zero percent humidity, 100 degrees all the time. But they dehydrate if you Mm -hmm. don't give them moist access to greens, you know, like just pay attention to some of these things. And it's like. I think we we might have misunderstood a lot of these desert and high heat animals for the longest time. Like retics I, are a great example. Yeah, high I heat think, and humidity. Yeah, yeah, I think um I think that's why I've always struggled with uh, green tra- and I think that's why I struggle with short tails. Because mm-hmm. I was under the idea in my head that well you keep them just like pythons. Why would they be different? You know, mm-hmm. and I think especially with green trees, short tails, you know, probably more so with green trees. Um, I think that a lot of the issues, you know, that, that people have with them have to do with with just that, you know. Um, and how do you balance that humidity with not having it, like you said, cold and wet um, as opposed to, you know, humid and and um, and, and hot and having that in a box and how do you control that? And, you know, I don't know. It's just, I think like, uh, you know, maybe prolapse is because of that, because they're, they're so, it's, it becomes so dry for them. You know, uh, I don't think that they're as resilient as carpet pythons. And, um, I think that, uh, and even you take like rough scales, right? Where do you find rough scales? Yeah. They're in the Kimberly, but they're in these like pockets in these gorges where, you know, it's, it's microclimates. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't know my perception of, of that. I don't know. It just changed when you actually go there and you feel it. And, you know, I don't know. 
that's why I love getting in the environment of these things. It's like, uh, you know, maybe if, you know, I hope that reptile keeping gets to the point where people, and I know it's not feasible for everybody to do this kind of thing, but think about it. Think about how much money the four of us spent on snakes. Over the no, no, I no, can't think no, about it. It's no, painful. No, you <laughs> never know. What's wrong with you, so sir? You I'm never sure, count. I'm sure. Guilty. I'm sure that you guys have spent as much money as like if you took a trip to Madagascar to find out about you know hognose that are there or Australia like or whatever. Times you know? that. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. You know. So like. Lucas is crying. Is this an intervention? <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter? You upset the intern. <laughs> I did it again. Damn it. I don't know. I could head, have you know? a bowling eye. No, I agree. And 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 that that little bit of what you were talking about has made me think about like how people approach maintaining aquariums and maintaining aquariums can be tricky if it's small because the water values can change so dramatically with the littlest bit but if you put it like a 400 gallon aquarium is much easier to maintain the water levels versus a nine gallon even if you've got appropriate filtration and stuff you're going to be doing more you know intermediate cleaning and water changes and things on a nine gallon whereas with a 400 you've got a lot more stability and it doesn't change as frequently and i think about that and how it applies to um husbandry of of non-aquarium stuff and you think about like okay how do how have zoos been able to keep these animals but like the private sector is like still catching up in some instances not all um and and i think about like i think about this exhibit that i saw back at saint augustine four years ago and they had this massive enclosure the size you know it was like 10 12 feet tall it was this huge thing and there was a there's like a 10 foot scrub up there. Yes. There was a pair of bloods on the ground when white I was lips. there and white lips all in this massive enclosure. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. And I got to think that it's easy for them to maintain uh, a stable humidity and heat gradient and climate in that larger enclosure with all the weather variables and the variables of the building and the doors open and people being in there and the seasons in Florida and all this stuff. It's easier to do on a bigger scale than a smaller one because the temperature in a smaller environment can change faster and easily as a bigger one. I don't know. I think about that all the time, dude, and and I completely agree. There was – what was it? The Bavard Zoo down in Florida that I went to, they had uh, emerald tree boas and bushmasters. Mm -hmm. A bushmaster in the same cage and Mm -hmm. a couple other things. Um, I want to say they had the poison dart frogs, but I think that was, like, made to look like it was in the same enclosure. Oh, people Uh, do that. Yeah. but even then, you you have you have several larger animals in there. You know the Amazons, mm-hmm. the, I'm sorry, the emeralds were not small. Mm-hmm. And then you have a bushmaster in there. Like that's mm-hmm. that's cool. That's a lot. Yeah, there's with. one at the uh, at the Oakland Zoo, very vertically oriented enclosure mm-hmm. yeah. with Columbia yeah. tails and Amazon. Yes, tails. I love that exhibit. That's I love cool it. The red tails yeah. are way up high in the canopy. There's dark frogs everywhere, yeah, and then there's a few over. other snakes in there. And it's this massive wall with live plants. LEDs, UV light, everything. And you get this array of behaviors and, and all they have to do to maintain that is have a a misting system that goes on once in a while, keep a couple basking bulbs and then, you know, maintain the ambient heat of the building, change the water. And it's like the rest does itself. But if they were trying to do it in a smaller scale, their keepers would be doing much more work. Yeah. 
Yeah, when, I guess when Melissa I and I move, I'm just going to get a greenhouse and just let all the snakes loose, and then maintain <laughs> them as a giant biodiverse collection. Um, and the, yeah, you oh, and yeah. your free range snakes. Free range pythons. I was going to have a couple really big fat olive pythons after yeah, all of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think like um, you know, like I think of like the, and I'm going to go back to breeding, right? You know, we have all these issues that happen during breeding, and I think that we just give up too easy in trying to find out why those issues happen. Like, why yeah. do we have slugs? Why do we have, uh, you know, why does uh, she retain the egg? Why does, uh, you know, oh, yeah. um, you know, respiratory infections and this and that and all these things. And we just, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm glad to see the snake part of the hobby sort of push that envelope, try to better understand so for me breeding would be more about understanding how to do it mm -hmm. better if you will yeah. rather than to try to produce the next greatest thing if you will i think i've i'm, mm -hmm. I'm past that point in my mm -hmm. life my reptile sure. career or whatever um you know i don't know but you still need those people too but i think that uh, yeah. if you have a group of people that are are trying to you know give these animals a better life, if you will, or uh, reduce the stress as much as possible. I think in the long term, that's 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 a good thing for the hobby, and mm -hmm. I'm glad to see mm -hmm. it's sort of pushing towards that way. Because you brought up fish earlier, you know that you think about that, like you know, I remember we were in, I think I can think we were at Southern Carpet Southeast Carpet Fest, and me and Casey Cannon, and there was a couple other people that were there, Josh, and we were sitting there, and we were, there was this reptile store that was here here and then there was this aquarium store that was here and you go into the aquarium store and like you know the fish is like five bucks but the aquarium is like you know a thousand dollars and they're spending all this money on equipment and the aquarium and it's sort of like what you were saying you know they're going big with this uh it's much easier to maintain um than you know having this tiny little uh you know saltwater tank that you know crashes or whatever because yeah. you want to keep a clownfish or whatever it was be yeah um, but mm -hmm. i don't know just some random no. thoughts here at carpet and coffee carpets and coffee yeah you know it's it's all <laughs> it's all relevant i mean my approach towards uh breeding monkey tail skinks all the time in zoos and here at the shop has always been if you dial in their enclosure and you make sure you pay attention to their natural history needs vertical lots of texture tubes to hide in pothos plants and things that you know, and, and making sure their diet is on point and that you have a compatible pair. You All you have to do is focus on dialing in the husbandry. They will breed for you when they're ready. Mm -hmm. And it's just all about prioritizing and optimizing the keeping. Yeah. And your animals will, yeah. through their natural behaviors, show you and reward you with uh, your success based on your efforts. And that's a species right. that you can't just okay, we're going to drop them and cycle them and feed cycle them. And then they're going to breed every season. It's, that's not how it works with those animals. Yeah. Um, and so I think about that a lot too. Right. It's very similar to the whole fish thing. You know, you, you give them the environment they need that yeah. does really, really well for them and they'll do the rest. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I think it's, it's, it's good long-term for the hobby because I think that, you know, it promotes the average person that wants a pet. I can have that little chunk of nature in their house, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, I was watching um, 
Doc Martin, uh, I don't know if I send it to you guys or I send it to our chat, Owen, uh, with uh, Keith and Rob and that. But, um, right. you know, his enclosure for his Mertens monitor is insane, where it's like, yeah. you know, it has this huge tank where it's able to, like, dive in there and chase fish and chase crab yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And, like, you know, I, it's just like, wow, that's impressive. And I don't know any reptile keeper that would not want to have that. Like, mm-hmm. I yeah. mean... Every all of us would, even if you know yeah. you still keep animals and cubs and racks and all that kind of stuff and breed and all that, to have that one animal that's sort of like uh, you know your uh, your display, your your your, your animal mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, your 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 zoo enclosure in the house, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. like your rhino that, like, and, you know, you know like that's why I'm, I, I, you know. Yeah, we 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 talked about Cody earlier, and it's why it's like you know I think Cody's got. Setup after setup after setup with his venomous is just stellar, awesome, and huge. And I Top love shelf. them. I mean, Top they're shelf. gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. So, and he's um, covered all aspects: lighting, yeah. plants, the natural history of the animals. Like I would incorporating love, that under I would all the love to do that. I, I give him so much credit for going that extra mile with that kind of stuff, and I would love to do that. And it's one of those things of like, I cannot do it in the snake room that I'm in. Mm-hmm. But you best believe the next upgrade I get. I'm going to start trying to do something like that of either larger cages or this, that, and the other thing for, mm-hmm. so, you know, like the, the, the retics, the team wars, the white lips, you know, if I set them up in a very large enclosure that they don't need me to touch, mm-hmm. maybe that's better for them, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just right. kind of one of those things. So uh, I think, yeah. I think the more this hobby goes through the shift, the more folks like you guys and us, we all need to make sure it's very clear for people to understand that it's, it's okay to not be doing it right now and acknowledging that you'd like to do that in the future. And then whatever process and time it takes to change that, if that's what you're, you're trying to do, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think people need to feel guilty about the fact that they've been keeping in a, in a certain way and now shift or want to shift. I think that's natural. And I think the, the tub shaming, the rack shaming, all of that stuff needs to needs to disappear because all of the people that are doing it, are benefiting from the people who have bred things in tubs and racks for the pet industry like them. And I think we need to just acknowledge and and be fully open about that. And it's nice to see that there is a big shift towards people, you know, trying to keep fewer animals in better conditions or, you know, but like there needs to be a complete and honest acknowledgement that not everyone has to do that. No, and, what you yeah. would be funny is that my rhinos might not breed in the tank. They bred in yeah. a rack last year. <laughs> yeah, and, and so, within yeah. one collection, you don't have to do that across the board for Sorry. all your animals, you know? <laughs> yeah, like I within mean, my one collection, I've got basic minimalistic tubs and racks. I've got naturalistic, and I'm even starting a, a bioactive bullfrog tank. You know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. and this is the transition we're in. Like my collection as it stands now is fantastic, but it is in a constant state of flux and evolution. And that's the hobby in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I yeah, think there's... you're right, Riley. It's like, Oh, sorry, Lucas, go ahead. No, 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 it's okay. I was just going to say that there's a, no, 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 there's no, definitely a progression that everybody yeah. has to go through. I think that, well, it doesn't have to go through, but tends to go through. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like that whole thing that all the fishermen talk about where at first you just want to catch a fish and then you want to catch as many fish as you can. And then you want to catch the biggest fish and then you want to catch fish the way you want to catch the fish. Right. It's like, you can apply that same kind of thinking to, to the reptile hobby where it's like, first you want a snake, then you want all the snakes. Then you want maybe 
the biggest snake or, you know, something like that or the rarest snake. And then you figure out what you actually want. Right. And yeah. I, I think that you can kind of point out that trend for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're seeing a lot of positive shifts and changes in, in the way we keep. And it's really exciting. I mean, I get kids that come into the shop and get their first snake. And if they're engaging I, and, and I had this I conversation, think, I, I can just tell them like, dude, this is the most exciting time to be keeping reptiles and snakes right now. Like it's, yeah, it really yeah. is. hundred percent. hundred percent. To, uh, to, to, to your point, Riley, it's like, um, you know, with, well, actually, uh, you know, most of the, I don't, Lucas, you have a somewhat decent sized collection, but if you want to compare it to say like me, Owen, or it's Ryan, tiny. right? Or, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to make that shift, to turn that boat just doesn't happen like that. You know what I mean? Like, because what do you do mm -hmm. with all those animals that yeah. you that you have? Do their, do their lives become not as valuable? So like, you know, I think that, um, just sort of what you're saying, Riley, is like, you know, understanding mm -hmm. that, you know, I think there has to be understanding for both sides, right? The side that mm -hmm. for the people that keep racks, they have to stop like trying to, you know, I guess, uh, you know, legitimize their way of keeping, if you will, and not even take a chance to sort of look at the other side uh, yeah. of how you, we could do it better. You know, it's like, it's like a, the old saying that we've said it a million times on NPR of the year, that if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like, why would you change it? Mm -hmm. It's working. Everything seems mm -hmm. to be good. Like, you know, um, and then on the other side to realize that, you know, this is how we came into the hobby. Like, like, you know, Owen and, and me, and I guess Riley, I don't know, Lucas, you, you, you seem to be more of the type of keeper that came in from that naturalistic type looking at your enclosures and such um but like we came in where it was you know get as many as you can and you want to have you know the, the, the most current projects and you know be cutting edge and or if you're not cutting edge you're not, you're not legitimate or yeah, whatever so yeah breeding you know, how do you fit yeah. yeah so how do you fit all those things and juggle all those things and so like that's how we were trained coming to the hobby whereas like this next generation they don't understand that like they don't understand that you know just as you're being taught to keep naturalistic and and you know uh, you know all these things that's not how we were taught to keep snakes right yeah. and now yeah. a lot of people are making the push to try to understand it better which is a great thing you know um mm -hmm. i remember reading uh the art of keeping snakes which is a great book and um you know that came out a long time ago and i was thinking wow that's that's pretty awesome because Ultimately, we want that little chunk of nature in our house, right? I mean, yeah. that's really what it comes down to. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you can have it to where it really looks like the outback of Australia, I mean, what's better? Right. You know, uh, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's going to fuel your the jungle your in hobby uh, passion South America and, or... <laughs> and your, your fire for a lot longer than, yeah. say, a, a more based objective project yeah. right like yeah. once you hit that okay you did it now what right yeah or on the other side of things like if you have right. such a an intricate setup like that and you're working to to mimic natural uh settings right you're studying so much more than just the snake and that will you know be fresh and interesting for 
years, <laughs> you know, yeah. if not a lifetime, because yeah. it's an impossible task. You're working to perfect something that can't be perfected. So you're never you're never gonna run out. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'll take it. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, that's great. That's um, hilarious. Harry Potter is a fictional character who is a wizard. Okay, I just wanted to explain yeah, that one I to know. you. Okay. Unlike Bobby, just no, is it just the glasses? Okay, you should. The <laughs> different genre, buddy. Um, yeah. So yeah, same concept yeah. and genre. Yeah, boy who lived. That's right, because Owen tried to drown me in the river as a child. <laughs> Only the one time, and it made you stronger. You're welcome. <laughs> Is Timmy in the well? Timmy in the well? Good. Bark, bark, bark. Oh, by the old yeah. mill? <laughs> <laughs> Always the old mill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love it. Nice. I do have a snake named Emma Watson because we were watching Harry Potter when Nick sent her over. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a little that's a deep cut for me but you know <laughs> <laughs> says the man with the squirrel thank you not by yeah. choice not by choice i didn't <laughs> not my squirrel so but Shit, you're speaking, a of, uh, <laughs> speaking of improving keeping and things in this transition we're in um mm. There's a product that I saw that came out recently um, via specialty enclosure designs in collaboration with uh, another individual who, who designed them. And yeah. you know how they have all the, uh -huh. the perches that stand or are custom fit to the tubs, the rectangle ones, things like that. They yeah. have these new ones that are like they you just poke a hole in the side of your tub, put these brackets in and then it, it zip ties a little bar to it. And they come in different sizes based on the width of the tub. And you can add a perch yeah. in in any tub for like 10 bucks or nine bucks wow. or whatever it is a piece. Yeah, and awesome. it's like there's different That's sizes awesome. based on the width of your tub. And now you can very affordably and easily do it for baby tubs. You bet your ass that I am going to get a bunch of those things. Because I after giving some of my pop wins, those uh, suspended water bowl trays that I used to use with the Amazon tree bows I had and seeing how they really, after a few months kind of gravitate towards them. And we always uh -huh. talk about how a stubborn feeder, sometimes you just got to give them a perch. Um, the other yeah. thing I think about is it, it allows for more use of the vertical gradient. So mm -hmm. if they're only on the ground, they're only getting a horizontal gradient. All of a sudden they've got more depth and things. Um, I, I just think that like, that's another piece of the progressive puzzle towards improving our keeping but marrying sort of a naturalistic approach with a minimalistic sterile breeder mentality kept yeah. into the fold because you Easily can use these, yeah. yeah so like if people want to do um you know a tub naturalistic setup with the the glass front and and have it all natural they can use those same perches but put like a natural stick on or something like that Anyway, I sure. just think it's, I think it's the the perfect manifestation of how some folks are already ahead of this conversation we're having right now. They're mm -hmm. already, mm -hmm. they're five years ahead of us. They're thinking about like, yeah. okay, the naturalistic hobby isn't going anywhere. The minimalistic part of breeding and keeping things sterile and clean and easy to decipher isn't going anywhere. How can we find a middle ground or like just, you know, acknowledge that the folks doing naturalistic things are offering a little more options and that's good. Right. But how do we do that without right. condemning this style of keeping? How can we find a, a halfway point? And I think those things are the, per I mean, don't get me wrong, all the perches, all the products, David Brahms and his, his, love, you know, I love people, 
they're fantastic. Yeah. It's completely innovative. Yeah. You can't deny it. Um, you know, all right. the enclosure companies out there right now, it's fantastic. But those little perches, man, there's like practical use for rhino rats, for corn snakes, for mm-hmm. ball pythons even, because you can add a couple perches on it and make it more of like a platform for heavier bodied snakes right. that might occasionally climb. Like I'm just, I saw those and I was like, oh, I need to yeah. like, I need to do some math and figure out when I can buy a bunch of these okay. things. To, to it goes back to the point that it's like, it's not, it doesn't matter what the box is like cage or rat. No, they're a box. a box. It, it matters yeah. what you do with the box. box. Like yeah. you can, mm-hmm. you can keep terrible in a cage and great in a rack or vice yeah. versa. Like what yeah. are you putting in the box? Like, right. <laughs> and to be completely honest, I got those um, 3d printed uh, the, the, the inserts for the 15 quart tubs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're much they're taller than the fives. Mm-hmm. And I put last year's bread life in there when they got a little bit too big for the five quart tubs. Mm-hmm. They gained a ton of like just weight muscle. Like they mm. they're probably the biggest yearlings I've I ever had as far as it. And I do not feed as much as I used to. So right. it's like just because they're yeah. moving and they're and they're climbing right. and they're doing all this other stuff. And they just grew. And I I, I took my holdback um caramel exanic out of the five and I put him in the 15. And he's now the biggest out of all my 2020 babies. Just because I have to think. Up, I down, have to think that, that yeah, that aerobic activity is translating more from the nutrition and, and sequestering it more yeah. into growth because they're active more via he needs that it. additional perching and the, the the extra environmental stimuli that you've included in there. Yeah, and muscle development agree. too. You know, yeah. totally. If you, you, it's the use it or lose it concept. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah. My my twenty nineteens have are, are now they can, I have to move them into 32s because now they're too big for the 15s. Mm-hmm. And it's like having those perches in there have done great. My five quarts aren't really conducive for the ones that he had before, but I was looking at the ones that Riley's talking about, about yeah. adding some small mm-hmm. perches to those because mine are not, they're five quarts, but they're like wider than they are taller um, on one rack. And then the other rack, it's a normal five quart bin, mm-hmm. but I was thinking about looking at those in the same way as Riley's because it helps so much yeah. with these other ones. So and, who knows? And I, so, and I think it I, I think it lends towards the confidence. I always talk about confidence, but like I've got a two-year-old animal still in a baby tub because in the open enclosure done in a minimalist style, mm-hmm. she is not confident. What I would love to do is get some of those perches, put them in there, put her little tub inside, give her that transition phase at her own pace. But if David Brahms is listening... <laughs> what I would love to see developed is if he takes that same, like just poke something into the walls of any size tub, mm. make a suspended hide box that can then just slide into that. Like just a little plastic. It could even have like one panel that just pops off and snaps into place or something or whatever. But like, I would love to see, you know how people have taken the plastic yeah. hides and put them upside down in cages. Yeah. What I if we can do, yeah. yeah. What if we can do some sort of like take the same approach that David has with the little, the, two brackets that sit in the side and then you've got a 3d printed little it could even just be a shelf the lid of the the lid of the the rack can be the actual top to it it can just be mm-hmm. like a little thing but it slides right into those simple tracks i mean that yeah, would that'd be, be sweet that'd i be would nice. love that for babies oh my goodness imagine any any way yeah. that you're able to add like surf or uh like floor space not on the floor right mm-hmm. if yeah, it's on the side if it's on the better. ceiling yeah, yeah we always see 
making yeah. your enclosure bigger by not making it bigger, but you know, right. yeah. I mean. you're adding more <laughs> usable real estate and it doesn't yeah. even necessarily right. have to be that the animals are boreal. The fact that there's a ledge up there, oh, what totally. you've done is you've yeah. given them like a shaded covered area and they'll eventually just kind of go up the side and realize, Hey, there's another platform. And all of a sudden you've maximized that three dimensional yeah. space. And Garrett Hartle does that with his retics a lot. Mm-hmm. Brian right. uh, yeah. Cusco took his eight foot cages, which are bigger than what most people give as adult retics and made awesome shelves that are like, that add an, an additional like nine square feet in there. And mm-hmm. and that's, you know, it gets the animals going up and doing things and it puts a little microclimate where the humidity is retained under that shelf. So mm. I think about, you know, in the early days when I was getting into carpets, you know, we're, we were told it's semi arboreal and, um, uh, you know, I, I've said it, I think Owen have said it, I think guests we've had on have said it, like, you know, we offered a carpet a perch, it doesn't perch, you know, and I think um, there's a couple thoughts I have with that. Number one, wherever you find carpet pythons, there's trees, right? Now, I'm not saying they spend all their time in trees, but if you look at even like, you know, bread lie, think about it, right? You know, um, you know, I guess they're going in rocky crevices and stuff like that as well. But like, you know, all along those water courses to where they live, right? It's just these trees are there and, you know, they're moving around the trees and such. Um, maybe we're offering the wrong type mm. of perch. So mm-hmm. what made me think of that is like, oh, and remember when we saw the Darwin, it wasn't like a chondro perch where it's a perch no. like this, right? And they're going to drape like a chondro. I don't think carpets do that. I think parts are more like they're either a couple things, right? They want to be up, but they want to be able to be secure where you see a lot of guys where they're doing that, you know, that arboreal hide type of thing where it's shelf, yeah. the top or a track, yeah. right? Or, um, you know, I remember even talking about the, the cage that Anthony Caponetto did with AP where he had the shelf in the back. Mm-hmm. I don't even mm-hmm. think that's what they're looking for. I think they want those. Let me see. Look, a snake. Oh, my God. Yeah. That, Sim- that, yeah. that apparently so, is sort of uh, Papuan python. Right. So I think she doesn't perch. Like, she does not perch like a chondro. She drapes like more right. like a tree boa. And yeah, yeah, they do that. Mm-hmm. That's just that they, they need Correct. to have either thicker branches they need, like, or shelf. points of contact. Yeah. I'm yes. planning on getting shelves for sure when I get six foot cages yeah. for. And, and that's how I cheated yeah. is I got the bins because they use the top of the bin, the lid, right. as long as you keep the yeah. lid intact. Right. It's like a shelf. So yeah, I cheated. So oh, that's that's smart. You're getting right two for one there. Yeah. It's not cheating, it's so uh like, you know being efficient. Anyway. There you go. But oh, and you remember talking in the early days to different people to where yes. we would talk about carpets being semi arboreal and everybody would say, uh, they don't perch, so uh, we don't even <laughs> give them a perch, you know. It's like right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Maybe it's just the type of perch that we offered was the wrong right. thing. Well, you know, and I mean, that makes me think, like, what else can we do better uh, as far right. as that goes? Like, we're, we're just negating the fact that, and again, carpets are so hard to figure out because they're so freaking resilient, man. They yeah, just, they just roll just with adapt it. whatever, you know? It's like, okay, yeah. I don't have a tree. I have a barn. Uh, I live in an attic, whatever it would be. Yeah. Um, yeah, see? Yeah, yeah. I, I, when I, wish, I had the the no. big log in there before the pine beetles ruined it, my big, <laughs> <laughs> my big brittles was always off the ground as well. I, I wish I had taller cages so that I could add a shelf that would be either higher or 
um, roof hides on my guys. So it's like yeah, the next iteration. Yeah, I mean, like I, I almost wish that like you remember that they used to have the the carpet cage, mm-hmm. which was yeah, really the Anthony Capinetto carpet cage, yeah. three foot with That's the shelf. It was, yeah, three foot I think with the shelf. Order it. It's, it's fifteen tall, three feet wide by two deep. Right, still there, right. I, I almost mm-hmm. wish it like I almost yeah. wanted to be yeah. eighteen or sixteen tall. Yeah, because that like I want more height for that yeah. shelf because they can get it. It just would be one of those things. Is like I almost think feel like the carpet cage should be two foot and then like maybe three foot and then something like that. So, uh, you know what I think, I think of you're all right. the time when we're talking about that is, uh, Python Pete's old, old, uh, enclosures. Yeah. I think Eric, you shared a photo of that last year or something in the chat. And I've just like, I've got it like burned into my brain, this wall of, of jungles. And they're all in like 18 by 18 by like, three foot enclosures or something like that with a singular basking spot, shelving options, bedding, water bowl, hide on the ground, a lot of foliage perching across. And in this photo, you see animals at different stages in the enclosure, but it was a whole wall of jungles in that same style enclosure. And that was how that was like a a founding to our, our early uh, carpet Python husbandry and how far we've gotten from that is, is astounding. Was uh, Phil Starkey yeah. over at Star Python? So, like, he's eight. set up in cages and stuff like that. He's got a mm-hmm. ton of those kind of big cages, lots of shelves, stuff he like has that. Like the ladders. Yeah, but I think and he, he does. Yeah. He does yeah. shelves so, that so, are in the corner. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. does the two corners. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, well, and so the other thing is, Germany cages, has yeah. regulations about that, so they right. have to have certain opportunities and sizes for for their animals. That's a regulation thing too up there. I think the thing that I don't like about the carpet python AP cage with the shelf is that's mm. a solid shelf, right? I think it should mm, be right. more mm. like that. You know what I mean? Make them shorter shelves, right? Almost like cut the shelf in half and give them more options for that one, shelf. One taller uh, so than like, the other, one higher one than real the other. Tight, yeah. oh. Yeah. Real tight There's to the a top, delay. Right? Your arms were still like Yeah, this. your internet's <laughs> getting worse. <laughs> is it? Uh, you're you're like they should be like this it's like that's a level thing dude that's the same thing (laughs) (laughs) oh look he's crystal clear now yeah that beautiful phase but yeah i like that idea of staggered shelves that's cool options are better the more options you have for the animal it will handle itself it'll take care of itself it's why we always say like when the female's getting ready to lay eggs and she's moving shit around don't put it back. That's she's doing this for a reason. Like, right. So if you give them more options, they will do this. It's like how people online will be like, oh, my snake is always up on this one shelf. Yeah, that's <laughs> because it really likes that shelf. And that's perfect. Make the rest of the cage like the shelf if you want it moving other places. Like, it, <laughs> So and it's just one of those things where if you do it correctly, if you've set it up correctly, the, the animals will take care of themselves and you really just need to clean up and provide food and that's all you should have to do mm-hmm. if you're in there adjusting every day stop like yeah. you're doing it wrong so right yeah. and i think um i think like if you took that uh that that uh that shelf and moved it around if you made that mm-hmm. top shelf the one that's all the way at the top make it just tight enough so that like if it were a hide you know you would be able to make that shelf be like those little hide boxes because it would be so like tight snug really yeah. cram in there yeah so they could cram in there two and, and a half secure. inches from the ceiling or something right mm. just sort of mm-hmm. hang out where i screwed up when i bought those ap cages for the diamond pythons they're too short they're just too short i can't get any kind of 
backing or anything. So now I'm just going to build my own, but I'm going to focus more on height yeah. than I will, you know, obviously it still be, will length will be there, but to me that height is more important than anything because you can do more with the height. Yeah. Then you can't you, the length. you could, um, Eric, you could always get creative. I, I remember seeing uh, Jacob Bratz doing this a lot when he was tinkering with some of these ideas of getting PVC. And I did it for my Apodora. I have one over there. But you could make just a little square table sort of shape out of cheap, affordable PVC and right. then put crosses or even attach like a piece of uh, plastic or something to the top to give it a surface or a tile or something. Right. Um, Chris Chris Sexton, who's in in the chat here, he he'll share some of his um, his Morelia enclosures at home, and he's got them nice and big, and he's done exactly that. Where on one end he's built like a PVC structure. Now, granted, he's he's given us the dimensions. He likes 18 inches tall, which is what we're all talking about. But I've even done it in these. So I've just got the T8s. They're 12 inches tall, and I agree, it's not tall enough for what I would ultimately love to do. But I have the cages, and they're important. So what I've been thinking of doing is just making some six inch little platforms of just PVC and then having cross beams of PVC in the middle. So it's literally just like an X, but they can still drape like that last carpet I pulled out and then it can fit inside of these T8s and I can give them a little bit more height, even though it's not really like arboreal, they're six inches off the ground, but you know, it's different, you know? And then the, you know, the contour of the tube, they have to use their muscles differently. Even if it's only a few inches off the ground, they have to behave differently on that. So I think that's like, I think that's the key is, you know, find something that you can just reinvent for that and utilize the cages that you already have until, you know, you hit the lotto right. and you can later get a bunch yeah. of big fancy ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Eric, yeah. Just, just drill holes in your AP cages in like ceiling to floor, ceiling to floor, and just go all the <laughs> way up the deck. <laughs> and then just keep each cage differently. Ooh. And then the diamonds will just go up and do their thing. And they'll be all- You could put a pole diamonds. through all the way, like a fireman pole there all the go. way through. And they'll climb away up, they'll spiral Ooh. up, yeah. You can make all sorts of blasphemous hybrids just without even trying. Them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I have yeah. thought about taking out the one, the lid, the one, like taking the AP cage apart or somehow cutting it so that it was the two cages became one. Um, just get a whole saw. You could, you could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just if you wanted to make it, like you have, you have like what, how, how many stacks you got? You like four in that stack? Uh, five. You five? You bastard, odd number. <laughs> um, but it, <laughs> <laughs> Why? Yeah, um, he I mean, needs one more. Why would you do that? I'm like, I'm like, because basically, what I would say is, let's forget the fifth one. You have four. You can make two cages. Just you know, drill a bunch of holes and put a bunch of yeah. like tube caps and stuff like yeah. that. You know. Oh, yeah, and screw them together. Another yeah. thing is, I mean, we always talk about you know disposable hides for babies and saving paper towel tubes. Ooh, I've been doing that. Uh -huh. So yeah. if you use like big paper rolls, save the hardcore yes. cardboard tube in there. The other thing I see a lot of folks do with Amazon Trebo is, is they'll go get cheap corrugated irrigation plastic tubing because you can cut oh. it with decent scissors or a knife. You can screw through it, no problem, and, and mount them onto the sides. Get like a little shallow screw or and put like three or four screws and pop, pop, pop right in the side. And then you've created like a little arboreal tube. The challenge is it's it's contoured. So if they crap or urinate in it, it's gonna be hard to clean it. But um, you know, in theory, you could you could use typical household PVC or 
things like this. But you know, you give a snake a tube, they're going to go in it. You give a snake a branch, they're going to oh, climb yeah. it. You, you can. You, there are creative ways to do this. So, yeah, yeah. I think we just got to look outside of our carpet python, you know, circle and look at what other people are doing for their animals and try and borrow ideas. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. What do you got, Lucas? Your gears are turning. <laughs> uh oh. I just want a beard so I can do that too. Oh, nice. dude, it's the best. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. No, no, you, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got like baby face. We got a little bit of scruff. Who's yeah, baby we, face? Riley? Riley you, baby you, face? You. Yeah, it's, you. It's like a progression. You, no. You. You. Look at that. Crazy. It. Smooth. Eric, Eric gets his like stubble that he gets in Australia when he's like not shaving and Eric's got know. like George Clooney mode right no, now. Oh, he gets it's salt oh. and pepper. Yeah. It's we're in the middle of Just the, like the, the, middle of the jungle in Australia. And I'm like, my God, you are attractive. Like it's it's, 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 <laughs> oh. oh I recycle microwave meal packaging for hatchling hides. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that stuff is perfect. I mean, uh, it's the same thing when I went to Target and bought a bunch of those little, like, pseudo rubber yeah. plastic cups, and I just cut holes in them, and now I've got, like, 40 of these little hides that actually fit in tubs. Yeah, uh, I want to get more of the, um, uh, the ones I got for the Rainbow Boas are mm -hmm. snack containers, and I melted a hole in the top. Nice. And then shoved a bunch of moss in there, and I haven't seen the Rainbow Boas since I introduced these things. I just <laughs> dangle the rodent and... And then they like, you know, do like a sandworm thing and they grab it and then I never see them again. But I was just it, gonna ask, how are they doing? I haven't heard any reports. That's good. They're, they're living, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Something is in their cage that keeps eating their food. So could be them, good could enough. not be them. It's so it's just one of those things where I kind of want to do that for more of my guys, because right now I had the um I have pipette tip containers mm. as the hides for the babies, the lids. Um but nice. they're getting old. They're getting kind of, you know, crumbly and stuff like that. So I do want to start switching over to these snacking containers because then mm -hmm. having a hide box that if I can pack it full of stuff for the baby to hide in is better. Also, uh, for spraying it down from when they're going into shed, um, it's definitely good for things like white lips, ring pythons and stuff like that. So uh, and as I get into potentially getting those as babies, you, you kind of want to offer those things. So. Mm -hmm. Ooh, yep. Speaking of white lip pythons, how's that yeah. going? Bad. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> uh, no. They, 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 um, uh, there was a, um, it was like five in the morning or something like that, and the dog woke me up. So right. I go downstairs to let him out, and he goes walking past the white lip cage, and I see the male just nail the female and start, like, I'm like, oh, God. So I separated them, and she had a nice, gash in the back of her head and um he got bit under the chin so they both were pretty uh scar pretty messed up so i had to separate them and um yeah. we're gonna feed and then reintroduce um probably next week so why do you think that they're so aggressive with each other it's like, just him i think it's just him it's it's an individual male, thing yeah i think the male's a dick but um it's <laughs> I think he's just a jumpy asshole. It's one of those things where I think he's they're they're very cued in because the problem is is that I drop them low, low at night, lowest I can get them, but then they come back up into the eighties, high eighties during the day. So wow. they're never cued off of food. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I have turned down the amount of food that I offer to them 
So they're still torqued up really high. It's almost like when you're starving your carpets in like October where it's like the food's gone, but they're, but yeah, that's just their natural setting, which is horrible. (laughs) But um, so I think it's just one of those things where she moved and he hit her. And it's one of those things where I think that is going to keep happening. If one of them moves in a way that the other perceives as food, they're going to go and they're going to lunch. So it's getting them to turn that off. I don't know, but it almost also looks like she's potentially ovulating too, because she got huge. Oh, wow. So it might be nerve wracking. It might be horrible, but it might be working. So <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what yeah, to man. do with that. Um, but the team wars are cuddled up nice and they're not hurting each other. Those are so, pretty. Mm-hmm. So same thing yeah. with the Alice. And yeah. I did catch the Walmas breeding yesterday. <laughs> Oh shoot! Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah. Nice. Can I? Can I? Can I be part of the Espedites Club, please? I know it's not a black Submit your application. <laughs> yes. Are you reviewing along, it because that bodes poorly? So, <laughs> along with careful one with egg or more. <laughs> yep. Yeah. One, egg, one egg or more. Yep. You have yeah. to produce something. So. Oh, then I, I'm not in the club. <laughs> oh. But it's. It would be. Not yet. And it's just one of the things where it's I'm like I would, <laughs> it's, I, I would really like to see some of the rarer stuff or some of the different stuff. I haven't seen my rough scales in two months. They've been hiding, so hmm. I'm not nervous about that. So, <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling that you're talking about with uh, the trepidation about when pairing, just to make sure they don't kill each other. Just like so- when I pair the Kribos, I'm watching the male. I'm like. And then she's so not receptive, weird. she takes these little bursts, and then all of a sudden his interest peaks. He's like, Look, right. like, you better not freaking do that, yeah. man. Your <laughs> are so much different than mine because mine have been together since October and I've had no problems. Hmm. None. Dude, I don't even leave mine together anymore. Yeah. I, I might not get eggs, but I haven't had anything. Last time I paired them, there were some bite wounds and scars on them, but they, so they might be look- breeding. Yeah, they've seemed to have stopped that kind of stuff. So I'm not sure if there's any interest or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, are they similar in size? Yeah, close. Male's a little bit smaller. Uh, see, that's good. I think that's probably the key is like using a younger male who isn't as big as your female because then you don't have the, the chance of him eating her. But you got to right. make sure they're similar enough. See, I I screwed myself without even realizing it. I got I got a male like eight years ago just because I wanted one. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I learned about the whole hobby and breeding and stuff over the next two years, finally got a female. So by the time my female is five years old and big enough, my man is like almost eight and he's like the size of a, he's bigger than my damn bread lie. So, or bread Lee, excuse me. Bradley, so pronounced he's, Bradley. He's we'll never just, know. He's no, a monster. Bradley. So like, I, I guess probably to avoid any real concern of one eating another, they have to be, pretty close in size otherwise maybe they maybe just knowing that they're bigger there's still that possibility and they see it that way because like he when she darts past him and if she's not receptive and he moves i'm like oh shit here it goes because he looks like he does when i offer him food i'll actually separate certain species when i'm gonna feed like babies oh yeah the white lips um i'm gonna feed them again and then put them back together and then i won't feed in that big large room uh, again until probably Marchish or February. Mm-hmm. But um, when things start warming up, but when I do, everyone's getting separated. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing the olives together. I'm not doing the team wars together. Ain't nobody going to be together 
when they're getting offered food because that's how that's how bad stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I've had carpets hit each other and stuff like that. So it's it's one of those things. And I've also done the dumb thing where I start falling the food and then I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot to separate these animals, which is usually a bloodbath afterwards. Mm. It's like. I'm getting ready to to feed, and then I look over, and both Timor pythons are like this. I'm like, damn, and like you know, and then that's <laughs> now they're all pissed off, and then nobody eats. So yeah. it's just one of those things where you gotta pace it and don't set yourself up for a bad situation. Yeah. So right, I wouldn't feed king snakes together. No, <laughs> like just just no. So oh, I'm excited to breed Apodoran sometime. <laughs> Hey, no, we're not allowed to talk about Epidora. We're not yeah. because uh, they're in my head and they're gnawing at me in like the back of my brain. And they're like, if you if you get a pair and you you grow them slowly, Olin, we'll have time to get into uh, like you know a bigger house with more cages, and that's not true. No, so, you need blackheads first. Stop that! That all of that is bad. All of that is bad. Ooh, I want a snake too. That's oh, an Epidora. there you go. Yeah, that's an Epidora. Good job, Riley. I'm surprised, though, when you didn't go for them. I'm, we just, they're in my brain right now. And you know how that works. They're in my brain for at least two years. And then they gnaw at me and annoy me. And then I end up getting three. The Epidora is on your right shoulder. The blackhead's on your left shoulder. (laughs) Decisions, decisions. This is the intern payback, Owen. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you think that's going to happen. I mean, like, you know, it, we, I told you, we gotta, we gotta do things first. We gotta pair the black white lips, which has been handled. Um, but then we have to get the ring python set up. Look at that snake, yeah. though, man. I know. Shut up. Yeah, look no. at them. No, no, look no, at them. No, look at them harder. And it doesn't matter because Eric's getting the blackheads, so psh, that's fine. I can, I can, I can push off the blackheads until you know later, because Eric will have them, and I'll be fine with that. Um, as far yeah. as Apodora, that that one that one hurts. So, oh, look at the blue belly. Yeah, the retics are gone except for one. I I still have my I still have my one retic that I like that Matt Minatola gave me. So, speaking uh, of uh, speaking of cool snakes and husbandry improvements, um, yeah. Since we talk about it in private all the time, we'll just throw this out here for our listeners. But we have recently been chatting in our discussion about. UV and its application with oh, um, Lucas's false water oh, cobras yeah. and coloration. Yeah. And that was crazy. Yeah. And I noticed a big change with this guy after that fire or the almost fire that I had with this tub. He had access to natural sunlight coming in, photo periods, and he would come up and bass during the day and he'd be gloriously bright green. And then at night, go down and two tone and become darker. Now that he's in a tub, Every time I check on him, he's always dark. And I have to think that's because he's not seeing the light that he was getting through the glass of his previous enclosure while he's in this temporary setup. And so instantly I'm thinking, okay, this guy needs direct sunlight, at least during times of the day, even if it's just to make his color look better. Mm -hmm. But I suspect that the color change is just a, a secondary reaction of the benefits of sequestering those rays. And then Lucas, if you want to give, you know. Yeah. So, uh, my, male false water cobra uh which i got first i just i had him in quarantine obviously for a while and uh he was really dark right like dark browns blacks and then when i uh finally got him in a, an enclosure i put 
uh, 5.0 UVB in there. And it's just staggering how much lighter he became in a matter of weeks. Mm-hmm. It looks like a different animal. Like the, the female I got from Zach Loafman is the, the quote high gold, which he says is kind of like the American hypo. Like they have real hypo in Europe. We have like selectively bred kind of thing. <laughs> Um, and th- this dark normal male is way brighter than that high gold female is now just because yeah. of the UV and looks like a completely different snake. So I was surprised and I sent pictures to <laughs> what is this? When, so when somebody draws something, because I don't get the talent. T-shirts with so. cartoon I'm pictures on of all- <laughs> I'm yeah. on it. We'll make it happen. Thank you. I Henry. need a picture of the squirrel. That, that, Thank you, Henrik. No, we'll make never, it happen. Never, sir. You will Go never listen to Owen, that. Henrik. It's happening this week. Yeah, okay. Perfect. <laughs> I'll just make up a squirrel picture then. There you go. I mean, I was say, why do you mean squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. Squirrel's a squirrel. There has to be yeah, a Florida geez. squirrel around here somewhere. It's fun yeah. to do this while Eric, holding a snake. Eric, go, yeah. go, Eric, go searching for a squirrel. Let us know what you find. <laughs> here's a here's another example. Xavier Walker Exotic says his common boa's color has been much brighter since moving him into a bioactive enclosure with a UVB light over him. Yeah. So yeah, I, I want to give UV bulbs when I get to a new one or something like that. And, I, and I'm I, not I'm able to. I want lights in my enclosures to be. And honest. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying that every animal will have such a dramatic change right. with UVB lights, but I think even just having a photo period in there, like I got some LED lights for Christmas, and I'm mm-hmm. going to install them in a couple of these cages, and I have a feeling that even though it's not UVB, it's <laughs> going to at least be on a natural photo period. And I expect to see different behaviors out of my animals as a result. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, I don't think every species will change, you know, behavior. Like I think a lot of the very sedentary ambush predators probably won't. Um, Things like blood pythons probably won't, you know, change at all. (laughs) How often are they soaking up sun rays when they're buried in their palm? Exactly. Exactly. You know, Kenyan Kenyan sand boas, you're not going to see any real change. They won't like be underground. That's where this whole evidence-based keeping thing comes into play, right? Yeah. You got to consult your natural history yep. and think about how they would or would not actually be relying on on the yeah. direct sunlight. Yeah. And it's and it's okay to take you know analogous information from one species and apply it to something that is completely unrelated in you know in safe ways. Like obviously, a false water cobra is very different from a, an apodora, which is very different mm-hmm. from a blackhead. But like you don't know how similar they they behave biologically and and behaviorally until you try it and and i think you can't hurt anything by experimenting with that so i just think uh you know all these years of talking about uvb you know debating whether or not it's beneficial for snakes i think we're starting to see that even if it's not beneficial they still uh utilize light for their day-to-day livelihood sure you yeah. think there are some Oh, go ahead, Eric. I was going to say, do you, I'm sorry, do you think that like with UVB, I think about the whole thing that, you know, was going through with COVID and how people said about, you know, how, you know, you have a better chance of your immune system fighting off, um, you know, COVID if you're taking vitamin D or you're exposed to UV, um, which is where we get a lot of our vitamin D. Um, But it makes me think like, you know, with snakes maybe maybe we're too quick to pull the plug when it comes Mm -hmm. to that you know um we don't see any benefits say on the surface but is it is it helping with their long-term health to be able to fight off 
viruses mm-hmm. or different infections that they that they may possibly get. And yeah. um, you know, I don't know. I think it certainly can't hurt. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It just makes me think. Like, I think with like you know, I think red lie is the one that constantly comes to mind for me because mm-hmm. you see these wild bread lie, and they're just like the craziest hypo that we would have mm-hmm. in captivity. Right. Right. And, you know, it's just a wild bread lie. And like, I, I don't know, it has to. It, I, don't know. I have I don't not know. seen a picture of a wild bread lie that looks what? anywhere near as dark as Lazic oh, oh. line. Price oh, okay. yes. they, yeah. they always look. Yeah. Come on. Lucas has been living under a rock. Don't worry. What's He's the, the intern. What's the brittle no, um, bread? Uh, yeah. And I think we owe it to the future generations of reptile keepers to do that study because it could take 40, 50 years for a species to, you know, run its course. If we're talking like routine experiments, say somebody goes, okay, I'm going to set up half my ball pythons under UV and half under racks. Those animals live 40 years. You're going to have to have a large sample size run at the course of those animals lifetime, analyze the data. And then, you know, you can say anecdotally at the very least, right what your benefits were and and it's going to take a long time and a lot of people and a generation or two but we owe it to the animals and our next generations to keep trying to find out these answers and potentially improve and if we find out it you know it's very species specific which i'm sure we're going to oh yeah um you know then what we need to do is is collaborate with all these manufacturers and hobbyists and people that are innovating these products and just keep them in the fold keep them in this progress and keep going like you know a lot of these folks are hobbyists and reptile keepers like ryan mcveigh is obviously a diehard reptile keeper and he's uh the brand rep manager or whatever i apologize ryan um for for zilla and so he's innovating those products because he is thinking in this way and he's doing exactly that it just needs more time and more people involved i I would almost want rack systems to start having like because there, there is a gap in the back of a rack. Let's say it's got belly heat, like where the bin lip hits, and then there's like empty space. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like would it kill him to put like just two LEDs in the back of a rack and then chain them? Well, down? and so that's what I was thinking. You know, like, like getting light into the rack. I mean, making it with better. Like we we can route channels in for heat yeah. tape in the bottom of 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 racks. We certainly have the tape? ability to route route a little channel that we can run led strips through absolutely yeah and it, and it would not impede the current function and usability yeah. of tubs at all and, and at the very least light. it would do that and then like i was saying a while back you know maybe by the time we're getting into that somebody will have invented leds that put out uvb who the hell knows yeah, yeah. i'm no expert i don't even know if that's physically yeah. possible but just saying of course it is with science will that, it to happen nothing is from, impossible uh... <laughs> That uh, Xavier Walker saying, I even moved the UVB away from the hotspot to see if if the snake would still seek it out, and it goes and finds it every time. Like yeah. I've heard that before yeah. from uh, from other people as well. Like yeah, that's easily testable. You know, that's yeah. just a a choice based experiment. Yeah. Um, you could even have two cages side to side with a tube connector. One has the UVB, one has the heat. You know, see what happens. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. I think I think as we're talking about how Lucas's false water brightened up under UV and how this guy brightens up with access to the sunlight, right. I think that is a worthy experiment to try UVB on a group of ring pythons 
Deprive some of it. I'll shove a a UV bill. See what happens. Now, that being said, I've seen seen how the aberrant ringed pythons are much browner, and it's just how it goes. And then I've also seen some, you know, normal ringed phenotypes that aren't as bright looking as, say, um, Glenn reptiles locally here. His animals are super bright. He's got an amazing female. My boss is one female in particular that's just super orange and that bright. That one's crazy. Gold. Yeah. So <laughs> Riley, I think Riley, Riley. Oh, sorry, sorry. You're you're sending Owen a boy at oh, some point, man. right? Oh, and I got bad news. We're thinking she's gonna slug out. No, you bastard. She had Lucas, an ovulation. Lucas, she did this now promoted to thing one, and it was so, bad. It was not Riley, good. She's you were now thing two. I need oh, it in good. writing. I don't All buy right, it. I'll write it down. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, hey, uh, I, I, think that, be, I think there's an application there for sure. Yeah, it's it, I think it would, too. And I also, you know, I think with ring pythons, the unfortunate part is that it it varies just because it animals, adults, you know, you put shit in, get shit out, stuff like that. So look, um, somebody has beaten me to it. Hell. All right. Well, well, that's always how new pro, new technology starts. It always starts until there. they improve it and shrink it in size because we're people and that's what we do. And right. so. I'm very excited to hear that, Henrik. Thank you very much for that. That's that very exciting. Cool. Nice. Very, very yeah. exciting to hear. And it's just good. Now it's just a matter of time before that technology improves to a point where we can use it exactly like we're talking about right now. Yeah. yeah. Running some small UV uh, LEDs, I think that would be great. But like I think with the ring pythons, again, it, it just depends on the parents, depends on the stuff. And even then, it just depends on the individual. Yeah. Um, I also think that if they're anything like white lips, they are um they um they'll color up depending yeah. on uh their circumstances i mean i have right now where my golds can have access to sunlight coming through a window and they do bask and they utilize it and i'll say he looks stunning in the sunlight not so good in the shadow but it just <laughs> really is. Um, right. so i would say that they would probably be the same thing yeah that's cool that's why I can't get up a Dora. You, you I, I have to get a male ring python. If you want me to get up a Dora, <laughs> I gotta get a male ring python first. Riley, come on. Sorry, sorry, I'm I'm jumping ahead. I'm skipping more steps, baby steps. Yeah, I'm really excited to get uh, UV on bread and compare. Oh yeah, I mean they'll yeah. they'll color. I'll definitely they- do an A B group and see what. Mm-hmm. What happens there? I mean, and they with bread lie, they color up depending on the season because, like, all oh, mine completely like dog yeah. crap right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then springtime, the springtime comes, they all shed. I'm like, oh, that's why I keep you. So, <laughs> like, that would make sense, right? I mean, if yeah. they're in the wild during the winter, they're winter. Well, and it's know, also because they're going to be just adults because, like, the adults are going cold. through winter right now and they're the ones getting darker because they're having the, the variation in temperature. The babies, because they're still on a like a, a single like their their temperatures don't adjust like the babies from last year and the babies from this year they all look bright red and orange and gorgeous and mm-hmm. so i think it's even something that might even cue them around what temperature is happening to them and things like that maybe they got to feel like they got to get darker to absorb more sunlight and more heat right yeah so, right yeah i think that's pretty my thought. logical that's right. definitely a, that, a that'll be my doctorate association to make yeah. i mean Yep. You can all call me Dr. McIntyre now. Actually, I'm going to make it a stipulation for you interns. So. You know, it's, it's really funny, that comment, in all honesty, though, Owen. Like, it's really yep. funny because what we talk about, what we do with our animals and these little experiments are essentially like little master's thesis. Like, that's literally what me. Lucas is about to so. do. Yeah. 
does hurt me. So yeah. it's literally a about more drive. But the only the <laughs> only thing is you aren't putting yourself in crippling student loan debt like yeah. Lucas for that that master's thesis. He but he gets a piece of paper that says he's got a master's. We're just assholes that say yeah, it. Just morons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. I need my we, little letters at the end of my email mm -hmm. sign off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna start Bill's putting random numbers that uh, letters that make Owen no McIntyre, sense. Owen McIntyre, M S D B four. What <laughs> the hell does that mean? Yeah, again, may all call me Admiral at this point. It means <laughs> me super special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> oh man. Me We've gone off the rails somehow. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. happened here. But well, we started me. off the rails, so always, we've come full I circle. am the rails. Right. Yeah. So what you're we, saying is that is that Carpets and Copy is usually a serious, like, you know, straightforward show, and then I come on and everything goes sideways. Is that what you're saying, Riley? Yes. No. Oh. Yes. Yeah. I mean, no. It's, it starts off off the rails. It gets into a good topic. Then it goes off the rails, and then the show's over. Yeah, full circle. And look at that. We did it all in two hours. Oh my God. It's, it's like it was meant to be. So I will and say then, a couple things oh, we'll about uh, yeah. Oh no, yeah, I might be delayed. But I was gonna say just before we cut off or whatever, you know, we're talking about natural history and all that kind of stuff. And um we're working on um a show on NPR where it's gonna be a series of, of taking species by species and sort of breaking down that natural history in detail to sort of mm -hmm. you know uh give people you know sort of <laughs> sort of a uh a basis to sort of go off of if you will uh -oh, yeah. missing something in the chat nothing no nothing no, they're, Luke, it's just nothing. they're just a, dancing a for some reason what? i don't know why <laughs> just, um so yeah well uh, that's that's going to be a super awesome show coming up um and we'll use this as our segue to wrap this up for everybody who's here tuning into Carpets and Coffee today. Definitely make sure you go check out all the other shows under the NPR network. You've got NPR, which is the OG. If you're listening to this and you haven't listened to NPR, you've done it backwards. You've done it backwards. And that is that is shameful. It's shameful. Go back. Yeah. What's wrong with you? And then there's Humans of Herpeticulture, which is Lucas's show. There's Call Your Brick Corner, which is Owen and I. There's Carpet Cliff Notes, which is Eric and Owen at times, depending on the episode and availability. And then there's Student of the Serpent, which is Rob and Eric. Now, yeah. on top of that, there are more coming down the pipeline. I'm not going to spoil that. You have to stay tuned. Subscribe to the network. There's four or five more, four potentially. We'll see. Four more, yeah. <laughs> four, four more coming. And then on top of that, NPR has uh, has bridged the the gap into doing occasional live streams. Not always. They're going to be for special occasions. Mother um, says I have a face for radio. So yeah, yeah. so that's going to be up to Eric and Owen. So I'm not going to promise that every show is like that, but they've done it once, and it's going to continue eventually. And it's going to be it's going to be the shows that are me and Owen. Yeah. 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 When we when we don't have a guest, yeah. perfect, perfect. So you've got a lot to look forward to as a listener, as a as a an audio content consumer. This is a podcast and a YouTube show, so there's two ways to look at it. And then you got to go check out everything on the NPR Network's YouTube channel because we're trying to grow that avenue of the network to help further put out all this good information, bring more people into the fold monetize the channel so it can pay for some fun stuff for us to be able to continue to get you all 
new and exciting content from whatever we can dream up. So it's it's like literally just watching and subscribing helps us. That's that's all you have to do. That's all we ask for. Then on top of that, if you really want to go balls deep and you're really excited about this two thousand uh, dollar stimulus check that's coming, that's go so hit hard. go hit the Teespring <laughs> store. Go type in NPR store and get yourself some swag. Eric and Owen, I'll be pleased to know, and I'm very proud that a good friend of mine who I sold, she didn't like snakes. She now has two snakes of mine, including a jungle. She went and bought an EB Morelia shirt, oh. a coffee mug, a hoodie. Oh. She's oh. on it. And she became a patron. So we've also got Patreon that is helping produce more of this content, free up Eric and Owen, kind of validate the work that they've they've done. Uh, you guys weren't here the last week, but, um, you know, Lucas and I kind of kissed your ass a little bit about, you know, how Patreon <laughs> is... It's not a money grab. It's not a. It's not anything. It's just literally putting that one more here. Like well, <laughs> with you. Well, and then you went and insulted the intern and live, and I just, you know, I'll you have to forget. do it while I'm here. That's how you gain my love and respect. I thought oh, we already had it. I guess no, I was no, mistaken. No, no, no. no. But, uh, but but we, in all You're honesty, cool. um, in all honesty, I, I do have to address any any rumors that like this is the end of NPR or they're selling out or anything. No, no, no. If you, if you, if you can't, you know, pull that mindset out, feel free to direct it at me, direct all your anger and frustration at me. I'm, I'm happy to blow you off and, and you know, ignore you. Um, but it's, it's a real thing. You guys are on your 10th year. I don't know if you've acknowledged that you're about to hit your 10th year doing this show. So the least that us as members in the community could do is is give back with with patreon so that's what years of doing this shit (laughs) nipper said he did the patreon so that he owns us he's he's got a point yeah i will give um so so uh, you know doing carpets and coffee and this in this and and carpet cliff that sort of gives me and owen an opportunity to focus NPR in a different direction instead of just doing the interview style uh, type mm-hmm. thing. So, you know, one is the natural history and the other one is um, we're going to be recording it this Thursday with our first guest. And this will be on the NPR, you know, Morelia by the radio feed, but it's going to be a segment called because um, we're good friends with Keith McPeak. And he's such a, you know, such an invaluable person in the hobby, uh, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I wanted to start with him. But turns out that Keith McPeak was ter- talking to uh, Richard Ross, which uh, people may know uh, from me and Owen's generation, that he's the guy, one of the guys that wrote the what we call the Blue Bible, which is uh, mm-hmm. a reproductive husbandry of boas and pythons. Yeah, so mine's, mine's we're lining up an interview him. with him. <laughs> In the second episode of her pitch, yes. which I mean, uh, if you're into boas and pythons, it doesn't get much better than that. So, you know, the idea is to sort of paint the picture of where her, I think you need to know uh, where we were and, and where we've come from in order to understand where we're trying to go. Yeah. Right. So, and it's sort 100%. of a payback to uh, the people that sort of paved the way. So I'm excited about that. Um, and, you know, uh, Obviously, we'll still do interviews and stuff like that, but um, it sort of gives us the opportunity to sort of uh, bridge out, if you will, into uh, to other things. So, yep. yeah, nothing but good things coming up. So, yeah, 
Hence the the umbrella of the NPR network. We're keeping NPR soul intact and bridging upon it. And and Lucas and I are just trying to help you guys. Yep, we're really, selling out in yeah, a big man. way. I mean, really I mean, achieve not, what you're I mean, trying to do. <laughs> Shit. Well, <laughs> Owen, you're not you're not going to be selling out until you make squirrel T-shirts. Mm. Make those. We'll make those. Apparently, apparently, Rogue Rodents is. Been yeah, growing. that's a thing now. Rodents, thing and, that's, now. and that's unfortunate because Eric's been asking me to breed rats for him for years, and I've been refusing. And if that get, gets catchy, I'm not sure if oh, I'm going to be able to resist. Rogue rodents. Do you yeah. make a? Do you breed feeders? No, I have a squirrel. No, I have a, a squirrel. <laughs> it, it's going to be bougie squirrel breeding. They're going to be like eight thousand dollars squirrels. Things yeah. got more toys than my dog. Like it's you a know, pie squirrel. We got yes. squirrels. Uh, <laughs> translucent, scaleless, scaleless squirrels. Yeah, there you go. They already All are. Girls, I, can you imagine a hairless squirrel? It's just a rat. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's got to be disgusting. Yeah, Do you rat have tail. Uh, scissors. <laughs> 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 he, he can't afford to do that. He already paid for the ring, Lucas. Yeah, Lucas, you were <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. So, well, with the Fantastic. announcement of Owen's new squirrel breeding initiative, we're gonna let everyone go, and uh, and then yeah, don't forget to to support everything that is the NPR network in every way we've just outlined, and uh, we'll catch you all next week with uh, another live mess of a discussion that is carpets and cliff notes no it's just carpets and oh wait <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> carpets and cliff notes this is this is we, we let you drive for one show and you well, gotta drive it off the cliff once i mean i mean dear god uh, yeah whatever this show is called it's the other c and c yeah we have too many we have three like anyway oh, we do. that's right yeah Good Lord, I don't uh, know. I guess yeah. the titles. Anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. whatever this show is called, it'll be back. Carrots yeah. and comb overs. Perfect. Carrots <laughs> and comb overs. Yep, that's it. Excellent. <laughs> All righty. Thank All you right, guys gentlemen. for tuning in. Thanks, guys. Later, Eric, folks. watch All out right. for the gators. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Go wrestle a gator.